breaks off. I don't like then there's my brother Elroy. Everybody loves Elroy. Lazy nothing. All right, McGee. Uh, what is one of the weirder homespun remedies that you remember kind of growing up with as a kid? So, I mean, we didn't do too many weird ones in our house. I remember hearing about a lot of weird ones that, like, my mom grew up with, my mom and dad grew up with, because mm-hmm. they came from, like, I mean, big-ass house, like, ton of siblings and everything. Uh, the one that cracked me up the most was uh, blowing cigarette smoke in the ear for an <laughs> earache. It's just, that's the most, like, fucking... I've never heard of that. Like, it's the trashiest, and, like... I love it so much, but I, I it's yeah, blow, blow like if you had an earache, my grandma would be like, Yeah, come here, and like, we'll blow, blow smoke in here, <laughs> little marble red right in the ear, right in the uh, ear. Canal. Virginia Slim, oh, so please don't disrespect the woman. <laughs> uh, for me, for whatever reason, whenever we got like a um, sinus, anything, sort of throw, stuffy nose, whatever it would be, my mom, she's from Houston, Texas, uh, they would cut up, she would cut up garlic. And small thin slices of apples, and then mix that together. Maybe we just kind of had to like pick at it, like eat it. <laughs> and I don't know why, oh, <laughs> yeah. like garlic and uh, apple together. I, uh, but, yeah, but to be honest with you, I don't, I don't hate the taste of garlic and apple together. Now to these dicks, it no, does. I, I feel like fuck like like a prosciutto and apple oh, okay. campfires. Like I'll fuck that up. Like so, I'm like yeah, all right, a little savory yeah. and weird. It's weird, but I, I dig it. Uh, that actually it, you made me think. I remember a, a like an Uber driver one time when I was in LA. Mm-hmm. I think I I don't remember what exactly I had like sniffles or sore throat or something, and he was just like, "Oh, vodka and black pepper, uh-huh. like that'll cure anything." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sure it fuck you feel like nothing, but like <laughs> your throat's burning with vodka and black pe- <laughs> like just like crack black pepper into a shot of vodka right. and shoot it, and he's like, and you'll feel great." <laughs> And uh, and I did it, and I felt great. But I'm pretty sure that was just the doing a shot of vodka in the afternoon with in the black pepper. I don't know. There was a little something to it, though. You maybe, maybe wasn't wrong. That's there's funny. wisdom from our <laughs> elders to. Uh, you know, speaking of which, too, there's a there's actually this girl I was talking to a while back, and uh, she's a Hispanic, Hispanic girl, and um, her family, I guess her their big thing was uh, Vicks at the bottom of your feet. Would cure. Oh, that's a thing. Is that's that? A thing I, for sure. I, I told her I was like, "See, that's what's funny." I said, I'm not even. I didn't even count that as like. I'm like, no, that's I've not. That's just a real. One. I've never heard that until I talked to her. I was like, "Wait, what?" She's like, "Yeah, you, yeah, we put oh, Vicks yeah. on the bottom of our feet." We're like, like, isn't it a respiratory thing though? Like, we always use it on the chest, like Vicks on your chest, but never with the uh, on the bottom of your foot. That's not a black thing. I've never heard. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't. I remember that one. Oh, really? I remember, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, stick with us uh, for some more homespun remedies as we get into 1990s <laughs> to sleep with. After this, all right, McGee, top three families on film. How about I kick us off? Uh, yeah, do it. Number three. This is actually one of my favorites and one of the most heartbreaking lines. I know this isn't a movie that's uh, yet a, uh, a a pillar, a touchstone for you, but we will be breaking this down. We're not ready for it yet, but the Corleones, the Godfather, <laughs> that's my number three family. Um, and, and, you know, incredible, incredible family, incredible movie, <laughs> an incredible portrait of an American family. Uh, number two, the Kims. Parasite. Did you ever see Parasite? Bong Joon Ho. Uh, I, I I didn't. I missed it. I, I kept meaning to watch it, and I was just like, 
you know, never got around to it. We may so. be putting that on your list because I love. We'd have to put that on. Yeah. I I love I love Bong Joon Ho's other stuff. So like, yeah, I I should have, and it just one of the ones that slipped past me. Love that portion of the family. My number one family on film. Every time I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen <laughs> eating up all the food. All right. Number one is the Joneses. Friday, Willie Jones, classic line <laughs> from John Witherspoon. You find any excuse to bring up Friday, don't you? In any of these top threes, you're really just waiting to pick that movie, aren't you? <laughs> waiting for a Friday. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that we record. Uh, yeah, so those are my three fans: the Corleones, the Kims, and the Joneses. Who do you got for us, McGee? Your top three. Corleone. Do you, you got a you you feel you a lot of lot of? Or I guess it wasn't like the the families that you identify with the most it would just like top families right? yeah your top families on film yeah. right uh so i number three I, I was torn i i ended up going with uh a more recent pick with everything everywhere all the time oh, i know we talked everywhere all about at once or, oh yeah i just wrote down the acronym so uh oh, and yeah. and i didn't even get the title right even <laughs> though the acronym was right there in front of me but yes exactly what you just said everything everywhere all at once that, you know, I thought that that was a you know obviously a really touching. Uh, I was that. an early. I remember you know calling that out mm-hmm. uh, right from the start because I was a fan mm-hmm. of those directors. And you sent you me like, the trailer okay, to that. Okay. Yeah, you were like, yeah, yeah you're like keep an eye out for this one. <laughs> Check this out. You were absolutely right. Turns turns out I was I was uh, on the money on that call. Um, number two, I went with a TV family, and you know, there's Ooh, a lot of TV okay. sitcom okay. families out Hell there. Yeah. But the my my comfort food is Bob's Burgers for sure. Oh, the, I like the 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 Bob's Burgers family. It's something about that dynamic, like that that is just like it it, it hit with me right away, and I was I was on board, and it's it's been funny seeing them establish themselves as long running as they are now. Yeah. They've definitely had a dip in quality for a little bit when they were working on the movie, mm-hmm. but uh, the newest season's been been back up there. It's been good. That's nice. Uh, number number one movie. Honestly, I was having trouble uh, picking a number one movie. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, I, I I thought about picking What About Bob. Have you ever seen What About Bob? Mm-mm. Remind me. Oh, we're going to put What About Bob on the list. I was really just trying to find an excuse to shove What About Bob in here as an, uh, to find out if you had seen oh, okay. it or not before. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, so just because so, that's a, a classic uh, Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Bill Murray. Oh, okay. It's, it reminds me of this movie a lot uh, where Bill Murray is playing the like unwelcome house guest that's kind of driving Richard Dreyfus crazy. Oh really? Um so yeah, we'll definitely have to be be visiting that one at at, at some point. Nice. But uh, I ended up going with a, a movie, you know, oh, in I've the seen this post- I'm sorry to cut you. I, I have seen this poster where he's choking out the two shadows are <laughs> choking out. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I've seen. Oh, uh, we're we're gonna yeah. be watching. You you could you can yeah. Nice. Bookmark that one for later because it will be it'll be coming up for sure. Nice. Uh, but I, I decided to go with a movie since it's the holiday season mm-hmm. at at the time we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a somewhat Christmas themed movie that makes me think of my family around the holidays is Home Alone. Oh, <laughs> yes! I know you. We were just talking a little bit about it. I love the 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 chaos mm-hmm. in the the opening scenes mm-hmm. and just like all of the the family dynamic and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just kind of like goofy, lovable fuck up vibe mm-hmm. of the the McAllister family. My family was never as fucking rich. We didn't live in the house like that. God damn. Or four uh, like six remember, tickets remember to France or something like that. Really yeah, but whole we're family to what France the what <laughs> guy the holidays. fucking CEO ass motherfucker <laughs> was that guy that Enron ass shit is he up to? Uh 
and Catherine yeah, O'Hare from a, from a previous uh, episode. Too, yeah, yeah, we yeah. have a lot of weird. We mm-hmm. have uh, uh, there's a lot of synergy, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of repeat offenders in mm-hmm. our in our lineups here. I like it. Hell yeah. All right, guys. So welcome to Make Me Watch. We are a couple of failing filmmakers who are forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies. I'm your host, Eric Elliott, and I'm joined by my co-host, who's wearing an old plumber Christian Lee crown to draw out the charisma. Sean McGee, how are you, brother? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I couldn't catch a chicken earlier, so I have to go hungry. (laughs) Got away from you after that trumpet blew. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This is a show where uh, Sean and I trade off forcing uh, one another to watch our favorite films. On today's episode, we have my pick for the week, 1990s To Sleep With Anger. We'll give our overall thoughts up top without spoilers and dive into the film with our world-famous segments that break down plot, performance, and our favorite behind-the-scenes stories. So without further ado, let's get into our review of 1990s To Sleep With Anger. Must be 30 years or more. I'm telling you, Harry is nothing but evil. Boy, that's bad luck to touch a fellow with a broom. Turn it over. Take me to the wall. Take me to the wall. Are you a friend, Harry? Take me to the wall. I said it. Harry sets foot in this house one more time, that I'm taking Sonny and leaving. And just as I say that, who you think is coming up the steps? Harry. <laughs> all right that was from 1990s to sleep with anger uh directed and written by charles burnett uh shot by walt lloyd uh starring danny glover as harry paul butler as gideon mary alice as Susie, richard brooks as babe brother and carl lumbly lumbly excuse me as junior uh First up, our, our exit interview. We got a mm-hmm. spoiler-free general thoughts coming out of our viewing this week, starting with the titular question. Eric, mm-hmm. why did you make me watch this? Here we go. So I made you watch this for a specific reason, uh, and it's of introducing you to black magical realism, uh, which I feel like is going to be the sentiment of this conversation. Uh, the more surrealist work of early African-Americans is often something that's not in the mainstream, it, but it's like an absolute current in our community of storytellers and a particular favorite of mine. Now, when I wrote that, I, I did remember that you, you will find it maybe outside of the world of film. Like TV has really kind of taken on that surrealist touch with uh, you see it in Atlanta. Mm. The opening uh, episode of Atlanta season four had a really incredible folklore cold open. Um, you'll see it in music. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly has, has a real surrealist touches mm. to it. So it, it's yeah. definitely, uh, and then we were talking about Andre 3003 Stacks. As that just came out. We were going back and forth a little bit over, over the week. Uh, so there's definitely um, uh, surrealist, a, a surrealism tone in African-American um, uh, artists, uh, but, but sometimes it doesn't really make it onto film in the way that you see here. Uh, Hitchcock has a quote. Uh, the cinema is life with the boring parts cut out. And I feel like Burnett kind of makes a case for turning some of those more languid pauses into poetry. Uh, Robert Townsend is a really uh, another prominent black filmmaker of the 90s. I'm not sure if you've ever seen like Hollywood Shuffle or Meteor Man. Um, but he, no. yeah, they're um, uh, real independent, um, strong independent black films from the 90s that I remember kind of growing up with. 
but he describes Charles Burnett um, as a soft-spoken cinematic poet, and he's a, a real big figurehead in the uh, for the uh, Criterion version of this DVD uh, uh, of this film. And um, is, is he part of that like film? Because I, I was reading a little bit about it. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's the class yeah. after that. So this, that, okay. that, yeah, he, he would have been more of the late mid '80s. Like he, he'd be more in the. Um, the Wayans, like early Wayans, like coming up in, in that okay. kind of group yeah, of, yeah. Of, of creatives. Um, so uh, again, um, uh, Townsend kind of describes Charles as a soft-spoken cinematic poet. And I, and I don't feel like there's any better set of adjectives to kind of perceive poet in describing Burnett. Um, and anger, it's this realism that I really love. Uh, going through his filmography, and I've seen a handful of his films. Uh, in Killer of Sheep, it's the documentary-specific way he renders details uh, of life in South Central. Uh, there's a this incredible shot in Killers of Sheep, and we'll believe me, we'll get into that. <laughs> I was gonna, are we gonna, that. is that one gonna be on, yeah, the, on be the list the, yeah, in the future? But, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and there's this shot where a hand kind of careens through an open windshield to retrieve uh, to retrieve a beer a can that's on the hood of a car. And I've just have never seen anything like that. Um, it's a shot that you couldn't imagine unless you lived it. Uh, in the slave drama yeah. Night John, it's the lasting image of an A scratched into dirt. Uh, as it as a means of barter and trade uh, of knowledge for the destitute. So the way he just ends that film and, and the slave being asked, well, what do you have to trade? And um, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Night John, the little girl scratches an A into the ground, um, signifying that she knows how to read and, and she can kind of pass, you know, knowledge off to the other slaves. So incredible um, uh, way to kind of end that film. And uh, as we return to ang- uh, anger, there's the blend of... Um, of, of, of modernity the, the, w- with the long shadow of folklore that kind of sets a familiar drama to a quiet boil. Uh, like things like who stays in the car when someone comes up to say hi or, or runs in the family to say hi. Um, like who doesn't show up for whose birthday? Who ignores whose request to help move something or repair something small? Yeah. These slights become concentrated. They become potent. Uh, dark clouds that sort of hang overhead, as Harry mentioned, uh, seeps himself into the uh, family fray. So Charles Burnett makes this statement uh, in the DVD commentary of this film. Uh, and I wanted to ask you specifically, uh, the statement being when he was uh, developing the script, he was asked to change and take out some of the Southern folklore because, quote, uh, people in the Midwest wouldn't get it. So I'd like to ask you, Sean, <laughs> <laughs> this is your first time watching this movie. What was your immediate reaction? Did people in the Midwest get some of the, fo- some of the Southern folklore touches? Uh, what was your reaction to this film? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, there's definitely, I mean, we've, we've talked about before, there's a difference between getting it and getting it. And like, mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely parts where I I understand that I don't quite under get the reference, mm-hmm. but I feel like I get what it, a, a little bit about what more about it's what it's trying to evoke. Yeah, but um, you know, I am born and raised in the Midwest. Currently live uh as well, mm-hmm. but I also was very into folklore. Uh, you know, kind of like the weird old Celtic folklore, folklore and Viking folklore that that you know inspired Tolkien and and the books that I loved to read as a kid. Mm. And then as I grew up, I even like uh, uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman right. uh is a you know eventually a series with like so so mm-hmm. some really amazing scenes and you know really rough parts, but uh. The book was uh, incredible, and, and that also I remember inspiring me to like kind of di- deep dive into some other parts of folklore that I hadn't hadn't been so familiar with. Right. So it was it was really exciting to see 
this really authentic portrayal. It, you know, it, it doesn't feel like something hearkening back to something. It feels very lived in and authentic, yes. mm-hmm. um, which was was really interesting too. And it, and it was also, I think, like, you know, as much as it's a movie, inc- you know, obviously the blackness of this movie mm-hmm. is just like, just the DNA is everywhere. It, it, it's so steeped and authentic, and that's mm-hmm. what makes it such a, a special piece of art. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you know, also speaking to a like universal generational yeah. divide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was also something I wanted to ask you about too, because I think there, there's a really cool element of like this generation that left the South. Mm-hmm. And ends up in the West Coast, mm-hmm. and at, it, it's is that like similar to your family background? Oh, absolutely, like, it's like absolutely, basically like yeah, yeah. So my my uh, father's side of the family comes from Arkansas, and my mom's side of the family comes from Texas, and there was definitely that great migration period that happens in the um, uh, early to mid '60s. And my father, uh, my father's father, my grandfather moved from uh, Arkansas. Uh, to Pasadena and kind of set roots in in, in the West in that way. Yeah. And my mother, uh, when she uh, turns 19, moves from Houston to California as well. So there's a bit of migration uh, in that wow. um, second generation kind of, well, that wouldn't be fair, but... Uh, I, I, I get you know what, what you're mean? saying. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's what, that's exactly what I was th- like. I knew I had known part of that right. parts of that story. So mm-hmm. I was putting those kind of pieces together yeah. as I was watching this was like, it was cool because it was like, put, yeah, just like putting some of the pieces together, the right. history of, of the people that I love and right. the, the area that I, I grew up around or right. I, I had spent time in. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, absolutely. Uh, so that that part was really, really special and really cool. Um, I know you picked this because of the holidays and the feeling of like, family yeah. that it evokes but mm-hmm. this is such a summer movie through oh do you through. feel that interesting oh my god it, i mean what the, makes you say the, that i mean the i think that this movie does an, an incredible way of capturing like the oppressiveness of summer heat mm. um and yeah. but it, i think it does a really interesting thing where it, it, it takes that feeling of those oppressive days that are just so hot it sucks the life out of you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it condenses that into a person mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's like, like it's that. like Danny Glover brought the like sick swampy humidity right. of the South. You know, he he brought that like Alabama yeah. Mississippi swamp humid heat right. to South Central, right. and and you just watch everybody just melt <laughs> under that fucking pressure. Uh, it, it it is you just yeah watching the people yeah. just gasp for air right. in his presence. It, you it just was such a summer movie. I mean, it literally just started snowing today mm-hmm. at my my house and nice. it was still watching this movie. It was like I I was sweating watching it. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. I like that a lot. Um, so, I mean, I, I talked a little bit about like your personal connection to it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, especially with that in mind, when was the last time that you watched this? I have the exact date, it, which is weird because I know <laughs> I know when Amazon sent this to me or <laughs> when I ordered <laughs> when I ordered the criteria. <laughs> so uh, March 6, thousand nineteen, uh, was when I got the DVD <laughs> or the uh, criteria. I'd seen it before that, but when I uh, ordered the DVD and it came in, it was March six. So was that four years ago? I watched this. Um, uh, uh, March 6, 2019 was the, was the last time I've watched this. Uh, 
love this movie because it like like I said it it plays so much like a a, a, a folktale um, folklore. It's one of those movies I can just kind of put on and drift off to sleep. And I'm curious if you have sort of the same reaction to that. Is this something you would ever plus uh, press play on again? Is this a movie that you'd ever engage with again? You can be yeah, honest. You know, it's <laughs> I can't imagine it's something I would put on for fun. To be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, mm-hmm. um, it is a movie that I would recommend to other people. Like I'm immediately. You know, I like was talking to a friend of mine that was into horror movies, mm. uh, and I just while I had just finished watching this, and I was like, "Oh, you should give this a shot." I was nice. like, "It's not really a horror movie, but yes. I was but like, it, but Danny Glover's the yeah. fucking devil in it, and it's like, it, <laughs> so I was like, that's yes. my pitch. That's you know, <laughs> absolutely." And, and reading some reviews, uh, people have described it as that way because this movie is really amorphous in a way. It's hard to sort of put it in in one box or another. And horror is definitely an element of this, and, and Southern Gothic horror is an element of this. I feel um, it is, but it it doesn't. It never feels as like dreading and ominous no. as like a horror right, horror not at movie. All. Mm-hmm. You're uh, it, you right. know, you never. I mean, there are, there are there moments aren't jump of it. scares. Do you know what I mean? Like there, yeah. things of that. There, there's a couple te- like tense moments. Such mm-hmm. you know, we're not into the spoilers yet, so I won't get into. Yeah. Or wait, are we? No, 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 not yet. Yeah. No, we're in spoiler free. Sorry. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, that I I really do feel like, especially because it's a story about these like generations mm-hmm. clashing heads, mm-hmm. as much as it's them dealing with this outside force. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel like almost like there's like any generation can appreciate something in this movie. Absolutely. Like you, you remember being in somebody's shoes in this, regardless right. of where you are in your journey, which right. is a, a really like crazy, it, you know, we, we've talked before about like movies that you can't really come to experience fully until, mm-hmm. you know, you've experienced certain things that you can identify with and, mm-hmm. and, and movies that hit you different as you get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this really does feel like one that like, yeah, like anybody could sit down and watch. Absolutely, as you as you kind of get up there in age, or at least you are able to appreciate aspects of it a little bit more as you kind of get up there in age. Yeah, yeah. So I, you already actually basically answered this question uh, with with when's the last time you watched this? But how did you watch this film? I personally, I I rented it on YouTube. Oh, nice. Uh, how was the translate? Like, what did you think about the? Uh... It was decent. Okay. I mean, it, you know what's actually there's a shot that I will talk about later mm-hmm. that. Uh, I when I, the first time I watched it, I watched it in my living room, like on my you know kind of mm-hmm. theater setup, mm-hmm. proper lighting, proper speakers, mm-hmm. everything. And the second time I watched it at my desk, mm-hmm. uh, just on my second monitor, which isn't like properly calibrated. Right. Uh, and there were a couple shots where I could see details in the shadows that I know I wasn't really supposed to see. Oh, interesting. Uh, which we'll get into. Okay. Um, but I, I did so it was like not that bad of a transfer, honestly. If mm. you know. That it there was that much uh, forgiveness in the shadows nice. uh, yeah, of the yeah. movie, but it's a, it's it's not a particularly like you don't need to see it in four K yeah, or anything, but it, it's it's a it's a well shot movie. Right. It's not necessarily like beautiful, uh, but it does benefit from. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm rambling. You no, I mean, all I, that, no, no, no. I think you're right. I think it does. It it benefits from, if not 4K, you know, at least 1080 something of that nature. You know, it is nice to see mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of the grain in there and, and see it see it nice clear transfer. Um, yeah. I do feel like some of the images 
to me um, have a certain beauty to them. But I will agree in his work. Like there, there's a shot in uh, Killer of Sheep that most definite ended up using for his uh, second, um, his second album of kids leaping over a rooftop uh, in in, uh, mm. in South Central. I don't know if you've ever seen this image before, but it, it's an incredible shot. And there, there's shots like that that um, that. Uh, uh, Charles Burnett sort of comes up with that his eyes just really sharpening and making beauty out of things that wouldn't you would you would normally think to uh to to, to find beauty in there was a I remember there's a conceit that we were talking about uh in in I think it's Japanese if I'm get this wrong I apologize but I want to say it's in Japanese culture wabi sabi where you find beauty in the um in the uh, disintegration of something or the um, mm. uh, Sort of the, the you can find beauty in the destruction of things. So when you see some of these um, uh, these rundown apartment complex, he's able to kind of compose these in ways that you're like, if you're, it's difficult if you're not looking for it. But if you have an artistic eye, where he plants the camera and how he how he composes, particularly like I said in Killers Killers uh, Killer of Sheep, My Brother's Wedding, uh, there are certain shots in there that I'm just like that feels so black and that feels like like. So beautiful. I'm, Do you know what I mean? So it's a combination to get into of that too. Yeah, I, I really am excited to to cover that movie because I I definitely found myself, especially on my second viewing of this movie, just being like, "Damn, this is yeah." Th- th- there's there's a voice and a, and a work here, and Hell and yeah. then I, that I want to like see more of. Hell yeah. Uh, so uh, the way I caught this movie, um, just to wrap up this, was the Criterion collection of this. I I'd strongly suggest. Um, Again, buy physical media, <laughs> and I, I strongly suggest getting this uh, work of art if you can for your DVD shelf. Uh, there's beautiful artwork on the uh, cover by Charlie Palmer, um, and uh, there's an absolute necessary interview with Brunette uh, with Robert Townsend. Again, they're just walking the streets of South Central around the areas in which uh, Brunette grew up and, and shot a lot of his films. But it, it's not just a an artist expose. It really gets into the practical weeds of why did you shoot this this way? How many takes did this? Uh, how many takes did this take? Um, what's your creative process? What's your writing process? When what what times of days do you write? Like you know, really kind of get into the weeds of him as a as, as a creator. So, um, uh, you know, invaluable interview, uh, a really great you know addition to your DVD collection if you if you guys can um, if you can afford it. So to sleep with anger, the Criterion collection of this DVD, I, I'd strongly suggest uh, uh, seeking out. So yeah, that that does it for our general thoughts for this. We'll uh, get into some of our spoilers after the break. All right, uh, into our focus group segment, breaking down the plot. Uh, From here, we will be spoiling the film. So if you have not seen it, like I said, please join us at the end for Sean's pick for next week. Or uh, join us after you've uh, seen the film. Or don't. We're going to spoil it (laughs) either way. (laughs) But uh, we'll start here. Uh, The scene you chose someone to get them to watch, McGee. What scene you got for us? I, I'm. I just poured myself a glass because I'm going to talk about the corn liquor. Hey, uh, that's my <laughs> scene. I, I, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it, it, it's such a good mix mm-hmm. of you have that like warm family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the vibe of everybody gathering around. You got the music, mm-hmm. the drinking. The people doing some shady shit off to the side, the you know it, it's the it's just fight all that the right happens vibe. outside of the house, like when you when you're yeah, in your family the, party. The, the 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 yeah. family bo- like drama that's like yeah. boiling over that they got to take outside did not interrupt the, yeah. the good times. As a kid, yeah. you're kind of always on the peripheral or something like that. You're like, are they fighting outside? It's like, what happened? Why is everyone so mad all of a sudden? 
<laughs> I remember those days. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, same, same here. The fish fry is the is, is the um, is the scene we're referring it, to. He says, so "Why not do a fish fry?" Then mm-hmm. you never see anyone eating any food. That is so true. Was, that is true, huh? I, I, I was wish, wondering. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure out if that was if I could call it the fish fry. That's why I just decided to, right. to center it around the the corn liquor because right, right. that was the 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 funniest. Uh, Dude, I've the, seen this movie the, like maybe four or five times now. I've never noticed that. <laughs> that nobody eats anything yeah, in that, this is in, the at first the time I've ever been thinking about that. <laughs> oh my god, it, it bugged the shit out of me. I was really excited to see the food. I mean, like you know how big I am about fucking food. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see, especially man, if 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 a black family's cooking for me, yeah. I'm excited to see the fucking food. And so, yeah. like, I was as as legitimately authentic as this movie was yeah. i was like hell yeah what is this fish fry right. gonna look like and then that that was that's the biggest fucking disappointment <laughs> of this movie for me that's so funny uh yeah uh just want to echo everything that sean says and there's a specific shot i didn't choose it for my shot for shot my shot for shot segment but the um the scene of them sitting at the table and you know uh boy this is the real south here in the camera <laughs> shot there <laughs> of it um of the wide of it moving to all the uh all the old folks that are, are, are all of his uh, all of his gang there just like the teacups you know, like, yeah and, like yeah. Just, like, every, everybody, everybody fighting every bottle yeah i just yeah. i love the shot how that pans over it and it does this yeah. so, incredible I, scene please i i love the bit with the guy uh taking the lampshade oh, off yes. <laughs> take the photos and and that was such, and like especially as a photographer mm-hmm. you know i'm like mm-hmm. hell that's so authentic and mm-hmm. that's such a lived in experience too of like i had to learn how to shoot darker skinned people right, you know it's right. not some i i had the i actually had the benefit of not being as familiar with photography until i was in college or whatever and so mm-hmm. i was actually i actually learned how to shoot around a diverse group of people so i got i got a little bit of a jump start on on stuff, but I, I know that that can be a struggle for people right. <laughs> that don't grow up around right, us. Right. You know, coming out to LA, <laughs> you come out and like you shoot some like dark skinned folk, and right. you could fuck up that exposure real quick. So <laughs> it was funny seeing the authenticity of like these people's lived in experience. They automatically know like we're gonna take some pictures, and mm. one of the guys just goes and grabs a lamp and rips the shade <laughs> off and starts following around the guy with the camera. Like we're gonna look good in these fucking pictures. Right. I'm gonna get some light on these folk. Like it's like that the motherfucker knows what he's doing, Absolutely. and it, it, it's so it was just so cool seeing mm-hmm. like such a specific such, choice. Do you know what I mean? It's like you had to specific have seen something like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's yes. why, that's and it's I like love, that. Yeah. That is such a lived in experience, mm-hmm. and it, it was so cool. Like. I, even though I had never seen, I you know I didn't right. grow up. I'm, I'm right. white as the fucking driven snow. No, outside my window right, <laughs> right. now. Like it for for listeners who weren't sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I made myself laugh with that one. Uh, but uh, like, yeah. So yeah, obviously, I've never seen somebody do that at a party. Mm, like, grab yeah. you know, grab a fucking lampshade like that. But it, when I saw it, I was like. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so yeah. that's so authentic. So yeah. real. I can't. We're gonna dig, dig into that shot a little later on in the episode. But yeah, Sean and I, we, we're exact oh. same. Like when we think about like no, because I have more to to talk about in that shot. But yeah, the, the, so so perfect. So yeah, do you anything you want to add about that or uh, seen? Um, there's another you, we moment. Were, we were back that, and forth. A yeah, bit, there, there's yeah. another moment in that where. Um, the, the, I just love the line reading and Harry's reaction uh, when he talks to uh, Ethel. I, I'm forgetting her, her, um, 
the character's name. Uh, give me oh, two I have seconds. it right here. It's uh, Hattie. Yeah, Hattie. There, when he's talking to Hattie, she's like, you know, Harry always tries to be the king fish, and when, he, when she's trying to, because he, uh, Harry and she's Ethel's, my favorite. Oh, she's she's yeah. spoiler, but she's all the best line. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> but where he he tries to insinuate and and instigate um, her to kind of behave as he knew her thirty years ago, and, and I'm wondering if you, mm-hmm. where he said, does your mom still run that house? I'm wondering if it was sort of either a, uh, a speakeasy or a brothel or something. Uh, it, it seemed a bit, you know, um, yeah. like, they're, they're like, like seamy a little bit. You know what I mean? Like depending on what I mean, her past yeah, was. Yeah, so she's still sang and sang dance. And dance. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? And he wanted to take uh, Babe assume... Rudd to the... Oh, are we? In... Yeah, we are in spot. So he wanted to take Babe Rudd to... He said, we'll show you some real steamy joints or something like that. Yeah. Or something. So it almost felt <laughs> yeah. like, like his description of hell. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a metaphor for hell. Um uh, That's the hell from the joke at the end where he's yes. like, we're all sinning. Yes, yes. Um, and I love their their kind of back and forth of him trying to draw her back into the dark side a little bit. So their reaction in the party there and his wink. Uh, there's, there's actually three or four winks in this film. <laughs> and we spoke about winks <laughs> earlier. I can't remember what episode we brought that up. Where you look like a kind of a plate school pervert when in real life is somebody kind of winks. I haven't. I don't have that strong of a feeling about winks, and I kind of really like some of the winks that take place in here. Mary Alice has one when um, when Gideon uh, Paul Butler is like, "Hey, why don't you close the door and, and come on over here?" And she puts oh, his yeah. shoes on his chest and then walks out the room and winks. You're, you're spoiling all my oh, all really? my favorite line reads, but yeah, I totally. I love, agree. I love some of the wings that happened in there. So yeah, that's another moment in that party. That, oh that yeah, I, I mean, oh you know what I want to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, as we're getting no, into it, okay. Um, just since we're going, it, it's why I love this scene so much too. It's it's the um, the jump cutting of people arriving to the party and specifically what they're wearing, how they're wearing mm. it, how they're moving, the different moods of people coming into the to because some people are happier, some people are like when Babe Bruh comes in, you know, the family's you know kind of a little sad or you know he, he's kind of yeah. looking a little annoyed she's looking a little annoyed at him uh though that is so fucking real his dude. wife's fits are always oh, i sure, love, uh, I love Cheryl, her costumes uh, yeah. ralph yeah absolutely she, she's gorgeous in this movie um it, it's like i i just came from a family reunion maybe four or five months ago um in, in houston that's how my family drew it. That, that is my family. When, when, when I look at them yeah. coming in the door when he when he uh, brings the corn liquor in with the quilted uh um with the kilted blanket or something like that. Yeah, like that yeah, is, that yeah. is moves my family makes to this day yeah. and how they interact with you. It's when you see the older black men as they're talking in the party, like the sweat that kind of congeals at the temple as they're trying <laughs> like, that's a look that I, like, I specifically know that look and talking to like my grandpa's brothers and stuff like that. And they're telling me stories and whatnot. It's the like, guy, da- he's dabbing his yeah, head. Yeah, you dabbing. Oh, it's, it's just so, yeah. so perfect. So per- perfect in the way he orchestrated that. Because that's what it feels like. The, the older man that brings in the, the woman that's like 30 years younger than he is. <laughs> like that is such a, uh, a universal experience. Lil Real Howery, we talked about in a Get Out, uh, Get Out episode, has a stand-up bit where it's uh, Charmaine in, in, in this version of the joke. It's you know the old man bringing the young girlfriend her name is Charmaine with the long purse but it's like he lived in Chicago grew up in Chicago I grew up in a uh, suburb outside of Los Angeles and we both had the same you know, experience like, yeah you know, you know what it yeah, it's yeah, a universal there's a type absolutely so yeah things that party just uh, encapsulates so much about the black party experience of a of a middle uh, middle class family so this isn't necessarily like the, the yeah. super hood yeah, yeah, experience yeah. or the real rich affluent experience but it, it, it's more of the commonplace experience that I kind of grew up with like these are the parties that, that I, I mean that's to. totally I, I think that's exactly why I, I was saying earlier like 
obviously there's tons of this experience that I I was not my experience growing up, but there's such a authenticity to that, like really scraped by mm. middle class experience mm. that it is just like it it is so perfectly depicted here yeah. uh that it it makes it so so universal you know obviously i grew up uh, you know 1500 miles from south central right right um but you know i i had you know family gatherings like this yeah. my grandma acted like that mm-hmm. like <laughs> My grandma would be sassing people when they came in a little bit more. It would be a little bit more comments on like haircuts and right. and, and clothing choices. That you know, a little bit more of that right. uh, that Irish sass in there. But right. uh, uh, other than that, it, it it I also like yeah, totally totally understood where it was coming from. Hell yeah! Was there something that? Uh, you caught in this viewing that you hadn't noticed before? Yeah, so I'm going to get in here and I'm going to dive into, because uh, I strongly believe this is Danny Glover's best performance, uh, or at least my absolute favorite. And there's there's physical things that he brings to this performance that I want to call out. Now, the first thing that I'd noticed uh, in these more recent viewings that I hadn't really noticed before is um, the grabbing at the left shoulder is Harry's way to establish physical connections with the people around him. He's always grabbing at someone's shoulder or pulling them in close. Mm-hmm. The left shoulder, specifically with the right hand, is the same spot as the devil. So when you have the devil and the angel on your shoulder, a cartoon, oh. so the, the devil is always on your left side. Uh, when he's attempting to sort of ensnare uh, someone with a physical touch, a, a sinister touch, it's it always kind of begins on the left side. So I I had it, it happens so often that it has to be deliberate in my head, um, and and I just love yeah. that is is a physical means. Of, of of touch. One other thing that I wanted to mention quickly is Harry's technique to kind of cut off the head of the chicken is very similar to the uh, parasitic method he infiltrates the family with. He he soothes and then he hypnotizes you in the same way that he draws a line to sort of hypnotize the chicken and ultimately heaves an axe overhead <laughs> before he gets kind of cut off at the uh, uh, with the with the trumpet. Um, and in this case, Mary Alice finally you know kind of snaps out of her stupor and I want you to leave. <laughs> I, want, I need you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the line is um so very similar uh technique i noticed to how he was going to uh, kill the chicken to how he you know the larger bit about how he infiltrates and, yeah and that's really cool stuff. i didn't yeah, pick up summer. on that at yeah. all that's really that's a really uh is there is there something that you've come to forgive that that annoyed you at first or you know something that you've softened on over time in this movie I think I've only softened on it by virtue of the fact of having seen it several times. Um, it, it's a family calling Bay brother, Bay brother over and over and over. Like it, it, it kind of, an, it feels forced. It annoys me a little bit. Whenever, whenever anybody has a nickname in a black household, even if it is Bay brother, it always gets shortened a little bit, like to one or two syllables. It's, it's never like, yeah. you would never say Bay brother over and over. You would just say Bay or like, you know, something of that nature or like brother yeah. or something like that. Like it sounds more natural. It's, like it, It's funny. Me and, me and my sister do do this to each other. Like uh-huh. we will call each other big sister and little brother, but like just it, like full, never shorten it. Oh, is that right? But it's almost like as a bit because no one else ever, it's like, it sounds weird, yeah, they, so that's what we do. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, so you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we sound like we're in a shitty Hallmark right. commercial. Like, <laughs> right, uh, right. And that's what it kind of feels like to me. It's like, I, I understand. And they, 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 there is a turn at the bit, at the end where... Um, uh, uh, is it is it Brooks? I'm forgetting his his uh, his last name. Um, I think yeah, it's, uh, Richard Richard Brooks, Brooks. So is Babe Brother. When he tries to reclaim his 
his personhood. I'm Samuel. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I, Samuel. Yeah, I'm Sam. What's my name? I'm Samuel. Sam. Sam. <laughs> so it's like I, I, I I'm I a little brother. Was... I should have more sympathy for this man. Like I'm the youngest. I got the <laughs> shit kicked out of me all the time. I have. I don't. I'd have no sympathy for this man. <laughs> So I, I understand what he was going for, and I get the uh, reclamation of, of his personhood at the end, and, and you know, I, I want to be Samuel, not Bay Brother, but I wish, particularly from his wife, Shirley Ralph, in this one, like, if they would just call him Bay, or it, it, at some point they would kind of shorten it, or if she called him Sam, you know what I mean, as his wife, um, you know, they're in a different kind of dynamic than he would be with the family, it would have felt a little yeah. bit more naturalistic to me. Uh, so it is something that kind of bothers me as, as I watch it. Just kind of irritates my ear. <laughs> like, uh, we... Speaking of naturalistic, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that bothered me on the first viewing that mm-hmm. I definitely softened on when I rewatched it, uh, I, uh, people's kind of mood swings mm. as needed for the plot. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of duality and, and in people mm-hmm. where they can say one thing and then start acting a different way. Mm-hmm. And you can chalk it up to supernatural influence, but some of it definitely does feel sweaty. Mm-hmm. Can, can you uh, cite an example? What's the, what's one in particular that really kind of rubbed you the wrong way? I, I mean, like a lot of like babe brothers mm-hmm. mood swings are, are, are pretty sweaty. Yeah. I feel a tad, tad forced. It's a, yeah. It's a, I, I, I like the one at the table with the playing cards where he kind of snatches it, how abrupt that feels just because Harry, the proximity to him and Harry as if Harry, you know, is kind of really making him out of character. That one kind of works for me a little bit. Um, it, it, the other one that worked for me is when he snaps at his wife about like not tying the shoes, oh, the shoes correctly right that kind of it, it sets up yeah. like he's just being shitty right and then you know when he it accelerates to him like right. striking her mm-hmm. it, you know it, it you see it coming a thousand yeah. miles away yeah. but mm-hmm. like i the the setup at least was a little bit uh, less sweaty maybe right it did feel like these two people were just like boiling up to this this conflict mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's just some of the other some of the other like Buildups didn't didn't work for me as well. I got you. But I, I but on the second viewing, I think I was more accepting of the like heightened supernatural. I, I mean, I I knew what I was getting into a mm-hmm. little bit, or I was like on board at least. I didn't really know, but I I was on board with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I thought I wasn't on the first viewing. Um, but I I really did was a lot less favorable coming out of my first viewing. Okay. Uh, and I do still think that there are, there are problems with the pacing, especially in the first forty minutes. Really, the first hour of the movie, there's there's I think pretty significant pacing problems. But the yeah the the actual like characterization stuff that that I brushed up against uh, on my first viewing, I definitely uh, the more like. I came to accept the spirituality of the movie, the the, the less that came to bother me. We'll definitely get into some of our studio notes and, and uh, uh, some more of our other famous segments as, as we get into what we would want to change. But um, to double up on your pacing, <laughs> your pacing uh, critique. Yeah, I, I'm going to get feel, into that more later. Yeah, so you know what? We'll, we'll handle it there then. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, was there something about the film you didn't understand? I just want to know what the end of that joke was at the end of, with his like people oh, trying out heaven and hell. Right. That was the, I was like, I really want to know what the end of that <laughs> joke was. I sat here and tried to think about it and come up with it for a while. And I was just like, 
man, I just really want to know what the end of that fucking joke was. <laughs> That's funny. Um, obviously, Sean's referring to Gideon um, after he's had his stroke and and, and Harry's died. He's, he's uh, again, telling a um, a, a joke with a, a spiritual bent to it. And, and at this point, I feel like... Mary- with, with the priest sleeping behind him, I love the bit that he's like, he's telling a slightly off-color joke about heaven and hell right. while the preacher is like snoring over <laughs> his shoulder. And then a dead body is laying over the preacher's shoulder. You know, I think just- on the dead body being there, but the sleeping preacher is something I... Because I feel like the end of that being um, Mary Alice has come to realize uh, or, or be reaffirmed in her superstitions a bit or taking um taking harry's sign or presence of being here more seriously than than gideon has she doesn't stop him when he tells the story at the beginning like when he first jokes with the child about um you know uh, uh the, the 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 preachers all kind of confessing their sins and my my sin's the worst my sin is gossiping and i'm gonna tell everything i heard yeah but and, and it's the first omen of harry coming when the when the uh broom falls uh she does stop him at the end and saying you know i don't want to hear any jokes about hell i don't want to hear any jokes about color people being mm-hmm. in hell and, and it feels more of a of a um she's really she's on guard at this point she's really taking more control of the the household and warding off evil spirits in a way um kind of felt like what what the intention of uh Mm. of her stopping him in that moment because it again it mirrors even shot for shot uh very similar shots to how he shot the beginning of of harry arriving and the end of harry dying and what that means for the family so yeah um, i I think tagging off of that i mm -hmm. I think you're onto something there Mm -hmm. uh just because the he has the preacher like question her faith yeah. because she's using these home remedies. Right. There's that oh, one, interesting. Yes. there's that one scene where, yeah. you know, they're at the foot of, right. of Gideon's bed right. and she, he's like, you know, why are you still doing this stuff? Like, why don't you just have faith in prayer? Right. Which is also and then at funny the, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Which is like fucking Jesus. Two, two superstitions. I mean. that are judging yeah. One another. Yeah. <laughs> why are you, don't, why don't you trust my superstitions? <laughs> If you really have, just yeah, Uh, I mean that's the like you never never trust anyone who says that the only person that you can trust is them. Right, that's just the (laughs) the like base rule. It's like, well, what's the harm in trying a couple different things, man? Uh, But yeah, so I think him having that conversation with her, then him being sleeping during that scene in the background, like. I, I hadn't picked up on on that, or I hadn't like caught onto that that, that that thematic thing. But I think having the preacher in that scene does add to what you're saying. Right. Very deliberate. Um, so one thing I didn't understand about the film, and I'm, I'm curious about your take here. It's it's the earthquake, and I, I I'm wondering just what your take is. Is it the spirit or evil leaving the household? Is it uh, is it completely? Uh, inconsequential to Harry dying? Like, what did your tw- take about the earthquake that happens in the last, like, 10 minutes of the film? You know, they're just sitting in the yeah. living room. Like, I, I, I never have been able to kind of piece that together, and I read a lot of reviews on this. I haven't really heard anyone speak to that moment, but what, what is your take on, on, the, uh, on the earthquake? I love it. I love it because it feels like very biblical in, like, mm. the earth responding to the finality of something mm. of like you have purged yourself of this demon and now the earth is going to like open itself up mm. and take him from you. Interesting. Uh, you, you know, like, like it, it, in, in a less subtle movie, 
then the earth would have like literally like split open and right. then would his body would have fallen into hell or right, something right. leaving uh, only the quilted blanket on the floor yeah <laughs> and his shoes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> fuck i mean now i just want to see that i mean it, it would it'd be a, far less poetic uh but but I, I i think that that's that's what maybe the earthquake is getting at but i th- i think the the beautiful um like duality whatever layered mm. the nature of it is like mm. what's more fucking southern california than yeah. an earthquake right, right. It, you know like it, it does feel like it is both uh true to the spiritual nature of the yeah. film and like the earth itself is responding mm-hmm. to the the passing of this like demonic force right uh, but then also like yeah, that's it. South I, I Central. Love that. I love that take. You're it. living in an. It's an earthquake, right? <laughs> I love that take. Um, particularly like the biblical nature of the earth uh, accepting or uh, the passing of this uh, evil demonic spirit deity. That, that that's that's so good, dude. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's step into Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. What does this movie look like in a different decade? Does it work? Does it not? What do you What do you got? Because I got a lot to say here. Interesting. So I'm going to make mine really brief because I, I feel like this film deals so heavily with the tug of war between the old and the new, uh, specifically the this version of a black southerner, that it would be kind of difficult for me to see it working outside of this period. While there is still this black, and I still have this black southerner in my family, they're not as even superstitious as their parents were. Um, and And more to the fact LA looks very different after the riots of the sixties, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, the flood of drugs and gang culture, you know, particularly in Watts, mm-hmm. gets, you know, so mm-hmm. it's it, like the middle class, you know, the, the, you know, the, the working middle class in that area, like that looks real different, you know, in 2023 than it did in, uh, in, in 1990. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's a little more difficult for me to see, but even if you were to take this outside of that area and like, let's say you shot this in wherever, um that that's that's still push and pull of 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 um the old traditions i'm not sure how many parents you know that that were having kids you know let's say in the 90s or coming up under you know the the death row sort of like la <laughs> like if, if, if those values were still kind of there to instill in in, in 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 kids like it was just a very different parental situation that was going on so that's my take it, it, i think it is a film that feels like it, it's of its time and specifically of it's hard oh yeah but um i'm curious to hear what you got to say yeah what's uh i mean i so i i, I totally get what you're saying and i feel mm-hmm. like this this film is like perfectly of its time yeah in in a very beautiful way mm-hmm. but i i sent you that that clip of the that yeah, jack yeah. knight stand-up right. clip yeah yeah and, and like that's kind of what I what I was getting at here right. with like he he uh maybe maybe we'll we'll cut it in here or something but like I don't know if you know this but there's a civil war going on between old black dudes and young black dudes old niggas hate us any older cousin uncle nigga named Darnell they don't want nothing to do with us I came home for Thanksgiving wearing pink socks this nigga spit stuffing out <laughs> why are all y'all gay. <laughs> I was like, you just met my girlfriend, nigga. I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> and it pisses me off that old niggas do that. Be like, why y'all act like that? Why y'all weird? Why y'all act like that? Why y'all weird? The government. <laughs> the same way you acted weird when you were young, because of the government. 
The FBI wanted to destroy black men so we could never build equity in our communities, so they wanted us to be detached from our families, so they made economic obstacles, the prison system flooded us with drugs, so subsequently it would lead to a generation of black men raised by their grandmas and their moms, just like me, creating a generation of sassy-ass niggas. <laughs> he gets that in that clip of the... Uh, the the generational divide yeah yeah and, and like you know older the 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 older generation not understanding the newer generation right and the newer generation be like dude isn't this the same thing that right. you went through like how right. do you not get this right and, and so I, I feel like in the same way that that this movie was about that like migration yeah uh, that very like specific mm-hmm. you know migration from the south right out of out of you know whatever i mean right. we we talked about it already the great migration. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah so in in the same way that this movie was was about the great migration that we talked about earlier i, I think that you you do have a generation of like queer nerdy kids and so and a generation <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and a generation of you know the the previous generation like coming to terms with that some of them and being doing it at different speeds or whatever. Right. So I, I do think that there's a updated version of this movie. And then as I was kind of writing and congealing my thoughts in this, I was like, oh, we have this version for last decade already. Hmm. Barry Jenkins made Moonlight in 2016. This is fucking Moonlight, right? Like Moonlight is, I mean, it, like. I have Barry later for you know what section, but that's an excellent. Yeah, yeah that's an excellent. Oh poll. my! But like, I, I mean, I, I watched Moonlight this morning because uh, I I needed to revisit it, having seen this movie, mm-hmm. and it was like so. I didn't before. I mean, I, I ended up googling it, and like you know, obviously Barry Jenkins talks about the influence that 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 Burnett has on his his filmography, but like, mm-hmm. the, I, I so clearly saw the the DNA of like this movie talking about that generational divide and then that movie talking about that generational divide and Mm -hmm. and the different, the different struggles that each generation has to come up with, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that was maybe less of a picture of a, of a specific middle-class experience. That Mm -hmm. was, you know, more of a picture of of a specific struggle, uh, you know, I, whatever. I, I fucking love Moonlight so much. It's such a fucking amazing movie. It's such an incredible, yeah. just mm-hmm. beautiful, incredible mm-hmm. movie. Um, but but you could see I, the I, DNA, I, the influence. You, you can absolutely that, see that the generational DNA of that divide, movie. like you were saying, like kind of coming to terms with the contrast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you know what? Maybe maybe obviously that's 2016. So um, you're not wrong in that. I, I guess more of the. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. Like so, so there, it, there it doesn't are, have the it doesn't have the surreal yeah the, the, the magical uh, stuff surrealist kind of like folklore take that but but I'm, but there is that like you were saying that there is that divide between we were raised one way and you're behaving in another that but you're not really seeing the outside influences of what's causing mm-hmm. that behavior um, from two different and, sides and, or or how yeah, they're similar there's some, more similar than they are different. Um, but I, but I absolutely see what you're saying. It, it, it's mm-hmm. just taking a different form. It's just, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. not the totally. Yeah. It's not a remake at all. But right. you, you feel the, you know, him picking up the torch and running with it, and making yeah. his own thing. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, a, a priest, a Buddhist, and a rabbi walk out of this film. How, how are they judging our main character, or how are they judging the film? Okay, I want to throw this to you. It's a hot take. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I believe it all the way, but I, but I want to get us to talk. 
I believe evil to be a necessity. And, I, and, I, and I'll... Um, yeah, I'll, that's I'll very Buddhist. Yeah? Okay, so Harry's metaphor of the practicing trumpet uh, trumpet player, you know, and I'll say this, the quote, uh, like that boy next door playing his horn. If he was a friend, he would stop irritating people. But if he stops practicing, he wouldn't be perfect at what he does someday, end quote. Uh, this is, like you said, it, it, it's a it's a Buddhist... Um, um, a uh, pillar, uh, 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 a Buddhist tenant. It, it, this hasn't been unexplored. Uh, South Park does it in a really funny way in the musical <laughs> with, with the devil. With, you know, without any evil, there could be no good. So there must be. It must be good to be evil sometimes. <laughs> and, and devil's ra- the devil's rationalization for why he's here. Yeah. Um. I want, oh yeah. So I, I'm wondering if they if they're more accepting of Harry and his presence. You know, in another another way uh, or another uh, version of that. Uh, the Watchmen and, and Ozymandias' plan to unite, you know, the warring countries under one common enemy. So, do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm wondering, how do you I feel about evil a, being a necessity? There's a difference between the necessity of evil and the acceptance of evil. I think that mm. there's, like, not necessarily that, like, evil is necessary, but that evil is inevitable. I'll, I'll, I'll throw into our segment eventually, but yeah. I... I we're we're both uh, comic nerds among yeah. many of our other of uh, 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 mutual interests, yeah. uh, interests. and uh, one of my favorite all time favorite comic characters expresses this exact sentiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beta Ray Bill from from Thor. Okay, and somebody's asking about the gods or whatever, mm-hmm. and he says like, uh, he says. I look at the heavens and think them empty. If not empty, I find the idea of worshiping whatever dwells there obscene. And somebody says, why do you continue then? He says, it doesn't change what is right. If there's nothing but what we make in this world, brothers, let us make good. And I that that has been what, like one of the things that is just like, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Like, the world exists outside of you. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you can control is the choices you make. So, like, good and evil is a thing mm-hmm. that exists mm-hmm. in, like, I'm going to push for good because yeah. I can't stop evil from existing, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not going to buy into it either. Like it, right. it, if, if you don't become if like a nihilist things, because it's there, <laughs> but, but it's, it's optimistic nihilism. Okay. It's, it's still nihilism because it's still saying that existence is a blank slate, mm-hmm. but it's looking at that blank slate and saying, I'm going to be the thing that's making it positive. Because okay. somebody else is going to come around and destroy it, but mm. we need the people who are making it positive. Mm. Okay, I like it. Yeah, that's good ethos. Yeah, good ethos to live yeah. by. It, yeah, it's cool. I, I I I love the the spirituality of this movie for that reason because right. it it is like you know I come from uh con, you know con not conservative Christian, but like pretty Christian upbringing, yeah. mm-hmm. very Christian upbringing. Mm-hmm. I eventually found my way somewhat more closer to like a Buddhist pagan mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love the, I mean, and that's why I, I love the like supernatural elements of this movie. Hell yeah. But it's, anyway, it, let's, it's similar to me, like being raised in the church. Like that's why I obviously I, I've, uh, I've left my, <laughs> the church behind. But yeah, that's so ingrained in me. So like things like magical realism or omens or, or a symbolism in that way really kind of still speak to my artistic palette um, and how it's, I kind of organize the world a little bit like in my head. <laughs> but even if it's not things I like uh, worship or, you know, uh, 
engage with all that much. It just, you know, I can't help my background. <laughs> Hi, Sean here. This is an ad break, or rather it would be if we had advertisers. Personally, I worked in advertising for almost a decade, and I'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes. But if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more. Help us turn this into a little community. Give us feedback, you know. And if you really want to send us money, we do have a Patreon. All right, let's get back to the episode. Best line read in the film, Sean. Let's see. Let's see, let's, uh, see if we can move this. What do, what do you got for me? What, what's some of your favorite lines of, of this film? I, I I mean, I think I love Ethel uh, Ethel Ayler as Hattie. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of, one of the line reads that if it I don't I haven't watched the trailer for this movie, but if it doesn't make the trailer, I'll be shocked of the. What does she say? Uh, you know, you remind me so much of what went wrong in my life. It's absolutely in the trailer. <laughs> it's it, yeah, yeah. Guarantee, I, yeah. I, I, I fucking called shot, man. Yeah, yeah. Called like from 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 behind the arc. Like, love it. I, I do also love her. Her Rita. If it was up to me, I'd poison him or whatever. <laughs> that's that's a runner up. Yeah. Like she, she's an amazing character. Mm-hmm. What you got? Uh, so my two are both uh, Harry lines, and it's both in just the way that he performs them. Um, his line reading of it, I'm not going to do it justice here. I may cut it in. But uh, the first one being uh, creating and how Charles Burnett creates villainy and it's what aspects of of a villainous person that I appreciate is it an unreliable narrator type villain. Uh, so when Harry starts the... Uh, you know, when um, Bay Brother asked him, Did you, have you killed anybody with this? And, you know, he, he uh, you know, uh, one of those bad acting monkeys or or uh, I had to use it on a board. Like and when he sits down and he does the, now, I don't know if I did what I did or if I got my life a story mixed up with other people's stories. Yeah. But I seem to recall, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, I love that line. <laughs> I, I love that too. I love, yeah. that. I love the delivery. I love that line. I love the unreliable nature of that. It just looked, that was perfect. But the one, if I have to be honest, every time I, I finish this film that I say to myself for like an hour afterwards is a, a boy, this is the real South. He's like, that's real corn <laughs> liquor. <laughs> like, I would say that for about an hour after, <laughs> after watching this movie. Oh, um, man. You ever drank Moonshine? Have you ever had no, Moonshine? No. Uh, oh, Thunderbird and. Um, um, uh, fucking what is the other one? My, 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 uh, I can't think of it. I, I, I don't know. Thunderbird is probably about the closest that, that, that I've gotten. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's rough, man. It's it'll fuck you up. Are fast, you a man? You bad or you a, you, oh, I mean, not not often, but I, uh, the, I, I've been introduced to it, and yeah, it's 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 rough how not rough it is. <laughs> it's like you expect it to be painful, and uh, then it's not. At first, and then it becomes painful eventually, and then you you learn. There's a fight um, in every bottle. There's a fight in every bottle. I love that line too. I fucking that made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's so funny. Yeah. I, I I that is one of the things that I I do like. This movie made me laugh so much. Like yeah. it, it is such a funny movie yeah. for how like I you know it's hard to classify as a comedy right. necessarily, but like. Yeah, I, I I laughed 
out loud uh, more than I have laugh at like most like comedic TV shows for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's one more line I I wanted to two lines actually. I I love two of Paul Butler uh, who played Gideon's mm-hmm. lines. We we already called out the one the why don't you shut that door and come on over here <laughs> is the horniest <laughs> the horniest delivery and it's so like uh, it's so good it's just yeah like, and without, it's you just, don't necessarily see older black couples in that way on film or TV exact, unless it's exact, kind of a jokey I mean, thing maybe in a, in a blackish it's so sincere kind of I mean you don't really see too many couples get to be that age right. and that like sincere with each other right. uh in many things i i do like you know i called out like bob's burgers at the start is like one of my favorite I, they they do have that like weirdly yeah. sincere relationship uh yeah. depicted in that show in the same way i loved that in in the same way i love uh there's i only caught it in my second viewing uh when he gets up uh the the, the first time gideon gets out of bed uh, after Harry dies, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, Susie just says, "Like you know, hey, you know, remember you're still sick." And he just oh, goes, you're, "You're talking to girl, you're, you're talking to John, John Henry." Henry. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I didn't catch it in my first viewing. Uh, when I heard him say that in my second viewing, I fucking <laughs> laughed so hard. Uh, I, I like I good. hurt my I hurt my rib earlier falling walking my dog because I'm an old fucking man and I yeah I, I my second viewing I I laughed so fucking hard it hurt so bad it was so funny <laughs> that's such a good line yeah <laughs> you're talking to John, uh, so yeah. let let's we well, let's go to the multiversal casting catch of madness mm-hmm. let's let's talking about our talking about some of our performances already that we loved I I want to hear some of the other performances I mean obviously. There's there's a, a a key performance that is integral to the DNA of this movie, but I I, I want to hear uh, what else you got. If if there's uh, a, any other somebody that you'd like to see in this movie in another universe, what what you got? Yeah, so um, yeah, the, the performance uh, uh, Sean I believe is alluding to is uh, Danny Glover's performance as Harry mentioned, um, which was my pick in a in in conjunction with Mary Alice, but to speak on uh Danny Glover is just I, I feel like he is same damn same, near, exactly like, yeah like you can't change. He is so essential to that that evil Southern gentleman performing like I'm just a simple country lawyer. I don't know why I keep saying that to myself during this one. I, but like that that Southern yeah. charm but something insidious inside. Uh but Mary Alice's um Ying to his yang, like like that, like her her soft spoken and, and and very um. She never raises her voice in any of the ways that other characters have that same sort of like back and forth that you or that 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 odd yeah. like um shift in, in personality or character that that you were speaking of earlier. She's such a it's such a beautiful uh, such a perfect matriarch right. of like. You know the I mean the the hinge point of the movie centers on her mm-hmm. and it, it really like her performance needs to be what it is right. in order for that that hinge point to work. She's the rock. Uh, it feels like uh, of the family, and in the same way that rock's uh, totally. kind of quiet and and, and, and still um, is it, like when she's taking the knife from their hands and, and where she's just like, all right, that's now, what I mean. You know that, what that's I mean? what like, I mean is the hinge point. Like, right, of like, yeah, for that for that point when she's taking the knife from yeah. her hand to work, right. And then later, she doesn't scream. She doesn't, you know, wail or act out. It's just, it's yeah. very, you know, um, it's 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 an incredible moment. 
really incredible. Really, really the, incredible. yeah, and and the, the the payoff of that when she smiles at them when they're just like yeah. joking with each other in yeah. the hospital, mm-hmm. it, it's that 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 setup punch, you know, mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. the 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 jab uppercut of right. uh, you you need her in mm-hmm. in that in that moment grabbing the knife mm-hmm. and then in that moment just like smiling and and knowing that like she won the battle against harry yeah, in absolutely. that moment yeah, like that's what you that's what you saw like mm-hmm. in her boys she, weren't she, uncorrupted or, or, or it, 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 yeah. it was you know this like this you know good versus evil mm-hmm. clash of ideology mm-hmm. and you in the her grabbing the knife was you know the the climax of it mm-hmm. and then her like smiling at seeing her sons mm-hmm. joke with each other was the like hell yeah i won that fucking battle like Fuck yeah! Totally, agree. Uh, it, it was so beautiful and and it, such hinging on her performance. Yeah, I, totally I think uh, just one last thing about her performance that I, I had a note here. I, it's such a complicated performance mm-hmm. because there's moments where she feels well-meaning but flawed. Interesting. You know what I mean? Where there's there's the moments as, as like there's the um when when her and Harry are first chatting mm-hmm. uh, really early in the movie and. Harry talks about like, oh, you know, people back then used to know how to act mm-hmm. and how to behave mm-hmm. and how to say yes, sir, mm-hmm. and no, sir. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, that's what my you position love to see it, in a black it, man. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's so awkward for me to see because I'm like, that it feels so fucking gross <laughs> to watch this guy like subservient right, himself. Right. And, but then she takes that line and turns it into something beautiful where she says, she says, back then you could always find something redeeming in the very worst person. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and it cuts oh, to fuck. Harry in that moment, too. It cuts a single of Harry as she like points her. Uh, I hear what she's either her spoon or something like that, like the very worst person. Oh, that's cut funny. I didn't you, I yeah. didn't even pick on up on that. that it was, she was kind of like yeah. indicating there. Uh, I, I just loved the like insidiousness mm-hmm. of the like kind of bigotry mm-hmm. and and that the older generation right i mean any as you as you age and and you you can kind of get cemented in your ways mm-hmm. and end up finding yourself mm-hmm. uh like hardening your heart in these positions or you yeah. can uh find a way to empathize and to learn and and i i thought it was beautiful that she kind of represents somebody who is a little bit stuck in their ways mm-hmm. But from a position of kindness and empathy, yeah, and so ultimately that's why like she's able to be such a like redeeming force. And, and is that yeah? I don't. I, I, I yeah, just no, love I, I that. I think you're. I think you're uh, definitely hinting at something there that that I respond to as well. I do want to make a comment about Danny Glover in the line reading of "Yes or No, Sir." I, I do feel like obviously that's going to be a um, holdover from uh, slavery and and how you needed to behave around white folks. Uh, I do think in that moment, it's more pointing at how the younger generation responds to an older generation. And I just mean an older generation of like your, how you respond to your mom, your dad, your your uh, grandmother. Totally. And in the way that babe brother doesn't, you know, respect his elders. And when they ask him to do anything or help out, he's not very responsive unless it's Harry asking him to do something. So I think he was more, that was more what he was getting at from the yes or no sort. But like you said, the visual, the optics of that and where that, where those guardrails in Harry's head of how to behave come from are very rooted in in um 
in, in, in slavery. So this this movie does have that really beautiful lesson where I don't think it takes a side where it, it wants you to respect the wisdom of your elders, you know, because maybe there's more to their their silly superstitions than you have than you maybe gave them credit for. But at the same time, I, I do think that this the movie holds the elders accountable too of saying like you do need to not hold this next generation to the standard mm-hmm. that you were held to. Like maybe you did things as a survival tactic in the South mm-hmm. that you should be proud that your offspring doesn't have to do anymore mm-hmm. because of the battles that you fought to mm-hmm. get to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're totally in agreement. Absolutely. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron. So I, I didn't have a good spot to bring this up in any other segment, but I just had to talk about, you know, we, we, we talked about the, like, would this movie work in another uh, decade? Mm-hmm. We talked about the, like, multiversal casting or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to take a moment to say, to talk about, I, I, if this movie were to ever get remade, mm-hmm. I think Jared Carmichael... Oh, or Gerard, Gerard, I'm sorry. Yeah, Gerard Carmichael, Gerard Carmichael uh, needs to be at the helm of this movie. As what? As a writer, director? Whatever. Okay. Writer, actor, director, whatever. I I, I, I love the, his stand-up, the Rothschild stand-up. I don't know if you caught that. Did, have, have you watched? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. The, the Rothaniel. Or was it Nathaniel? I thought it was Rothschild. Rothaniel. Yeah. Oh, Rothaniel. That's what it was. Rothaniel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that was the... I I watched Rothaniel... Uh, this afternoon, uh, because it, it Dude, this... really quick, really quick, let me interrupt. The, the shot, the ending shot of the street light, uh, uh, of the POV of the street light with the credits roll, love that shot. <laughs> it's just, I know that you got me thinking about the stand. I'm sorry, <laughs> love that shot. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you're good. Uh, but so this this movie made me think of Gerard Carmichael so much. You know, I, I already uh, brought up the the Moonlight connection earlier, where I, I think that Moonlight shares a lot of the DNA of this movie. But if you were to make a more like one to one this movie in the modern era, I think that especially the mm-hmm. stuff that he was getting to in Nathaniel with mm-hmm. that like disconnect mm-hmm. and and him trying to find his place, I think that he he would have a really interesting take. I would love to see. And and I you know he just made he had a directorial debut recently where he has a movie about like people committing fucking suicide. ritual suicide like yeah so he can definitely handle the 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 content matter and and the like the comedic and and dark uh, combination it's really like interesting. yeah um I think well Gerard would definitely I feel strong about his ability to capture what our generation um. RPOV kind of looks like. I, I think what Charles Burnett was 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 really apt at um, capturing is what the older kind of generation, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily their perspective on the younger generation, but just their behavior amongst themselves. So I'm I'm wondering because I, I I'm um I, yeah so I'm thinking like I this, see what has, you're has Gerard ever written really? It, it, it always takes I, place. I didn't it's watch always, much of his show. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, so it's it, and I I didn't I'm I'm basing it, this is off of like stand up and and um other small little projects I've seen him in, so maybe that that's not a fair assessment. Um, but 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 I see I see what you're getting at. I, I wonder how he'd handle some of the some of the older generational stuff outside of their perspective or like their commentary on us. 
I'll, I'll just like you know their yeah. behavior and their inner psyche amongst themselves. I'd just be curious, but I, but I, I think as a, as a contemporary artist to take that on, that's a really exciting choice, dude. Because his voice is so strong, you know what I mean? As, as a uh, yeah. as, as a uh, uh, as a creator, so um, whatever he would come up with, I, I, I really sincerely think that's a um, a strong choice. I'm trying to think myself. I, I would like. Hmm. Barry Jenkins is probably like the the too easy version of this. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. It, but, I I, yeah. I literally had to Google like when I finished watching this movie. I was like, Barry Jenkins, Charles Burnett. Like, what, <laughs> what, is, what is he? What is he what said the about? It? <laughs> but there, there are certain scenes in If Bill Street Could Talk uh, that that take place with the family and the sisters, and, and uh, Coleman Domingo is the uh, patriarch of the family that are just so in that same lived in authentic way that you yeah. were speaking with, with Charles Burnett. Yeah. I'm like, I could totally, but to see a blend of a Barry and a Gerard kind of tackling. I would love to see right, those yeah, two work yeah, together. That, 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 that would, would be amazing. Be, that would be really, really That would be cool. incredible. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, is there a, speak it, speak it into existence, but yeah. What, all right. What performance do you want to pick up and drop in another movie? I think I know what performance <laughs> I'm excited uh, more to see what movie. Where he's going. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we're ranting and raving about Danny in this movie because, again, he's just perfect for me, as Harry mentioned. But I would like to maybe see him in some other um, some other films that take place with, like, prominent black gangsters of, like, the 30s and 40s. So uh, Fargo season four kind of leapt to mind as a replacement oh. to, for Chris Rock. You know what I mean? Like, like seeing, like, Harry mentioned, oh. like, like kind of run that... Um, run that gang back then. I would like his performance. As, it doesn't necessarily have to be as... Uh, you know, Southern trickster, you know, kind of, but, but that same Southern gentleman with a, a real dark side to him that would, you know, like the, uh, he could kill on a, on a drop of a hat, but he still has a Southern gentleman charm thing about him. I was thinking about like, I really love to see him, see that character in that, that Fargo season. Uh, or, uh, I mean, it, he yeah. would definitely seem more, especially knowing now what we know. I think, I don't think I could watch that season again and take Chris Rock seriously. Right. <laughs> so it would be, it would be much nicer to, s- <laughs> to see like a Danny Glover's version of it. Yeah. Somebody, somebody intimidating. I did like his, cause he wasn't intimidating, but I like the comedy that he, cause he would, he would, um, uh, like needle at some of the game. I can't remember what the line was. It's been so long since I've watched that season, but, uh, he brought the comedic aspect to it, but like you said, the menacing part of it, you didn't necessarily, but it, you didn't necessarily, uh, at least I didn't necessarily buy. But yeah, Danny at man. the table with the knife uh, and, and his comments oh, about like it, losing his Toby and now I've been looking it, over my it, shoulder every like, since. Fucking like fucking De Niro and Killers of the Flower Moon vibes yeah, where you're just yeah. like, I don't know why I'm so scared yeah. of this man talking right now. Like right. he's not saying anything mm-hmm. that I should be as scared <laughs> as I am, but he... <laughs> I, it is definitely like my butthole is puckered listening to this man talk. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, so we're right on the same page. There. He's, he's a he's a menacing fuck. Um, what, what do you got for a performance that you'd like to pick up and drop in another movie? I I just I love the idea of him being literally any movie. Uh, just like <laughs> like Harry mentioned in Meet the Parents, uh, <laughs> and Napoleon. <laughs> Harry mentioned in Napoleon in Love Actually. Just like what if in every vignette, like Danny Glover showed up in in Love Actually is just Wait, this. 
The was, like the like British uh, Christmas. Key? No, high fidelity is what I'm thinking of. That's a John Cusack I think, one. What? A, yeah. So I, but I like seen, yeah. What was the Love Actually? Oh, you haven't seen Love Actually? No, it, no, it's like a list. bunch of vignettes of a bunch of different British actors doing like Christmas love stories oh, or whatever. Okay, okay, yeah. But I love the idea of just the same guy <laughs> ominously appearing in every vignette <laughs> and everything going to hell every time he appears. Uh, I like that. I'm oh, sorry, I stepped on it. <laughs> No, you're good. You're good. Or Knives Out. Knives Out would be another good ensemble. That actually, yeah. Dude, seeing Ryan Johnson. Um, I want to see Danny Glover in the next uh, Ryan Johnson for sure. That, that sounds be great. really interesting. Like taking place in the South. Like like get Daniel, uh, is it Daniel LeBlanc or Daniel DeBlanc, whatever his name is. Like actually in his element, like the Southern Gothic horror like, oh, detective element. But then, then his like, accent, if it's just people doing competing Southern accents, that's going to get out of hand very quickly. So maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, no, I do. I do love the conceit, though. I'm just joking. Uh, so if you were dropped into the uh, shoes of the main character, Miggy, how does the uh, movie play out from there? It, it, I mean, is am I Harry? You too. I? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, I, I, you know, who, who amongst us would like to be Harry for a day? I think I've been Harry for <laughs> no. Uh, sometimes I sometimes I feel like Harry. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually have anything. Of it. Oh well, let me let me uh, let me pick it up from there because I I have absolutely been in the exact fight that Junior and Bay get into. I, I've absolutely been pissed enough at my brother to stab him, <laughs> and my mom has absolutely had to be Mary Alice and break us up <laughs> at certain points in in our lives. Uh, <laughs> so so it's like I think the movie just plays out the way it does <laughs> for, for me. I think we would rather get into it at one point. Yeah, it just uh, you're like yep, authentic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. this, like that that happens. Legit. <laughs> yeah. That definitely happens. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, let's start to a break. So that's the real reason why you got your name. <laughs> you named me Jesus after Earl Monroe, not Jesus of the Bible? Not Jesus of the Bible, Jesus of North Philadelphia. Jesus of the playgrounds. That's the truth, son. The way he dished, the way he, you know, he spin, you know how you do. Coming off, all that. Tow. All right, uh, back from break. We're going behind the lens. This is the segment where we break down the film's craftsmanship and the curtain close. Shot for shot here, Sean. We're going to pick some of our favorite shots and uh, tell you why. What you got for us for your uh, first shot? Uh, the, the first shot I got is at uh, 46 minutes, 17 seconds. It's the the hairy, ominously uh, being revealed in the, in the stairway, mm-hmm. in the darkness uh, as the light sweeps over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's It's just so jarring and so uh moody mm-hmm. and I, I i just love the way that it, it just makes you immediately as an audience member just like start asking yourself questions aloud you're like what the fuck's going on like what what like mm-hmm. it, it, how much is he doing this on purpose like how much is he aware of the effect that his presence has on things like that that shot itself just throws the balance of the whole movie so off kilter in a way that's perfect that it's it it, it, in a movie that plays its hand so sparingly Mm -hmm. i think this is one of the most overt shots and uh it's interesting uh you know exactly how far they're willing to take it and how goofy they're willing to go with the conceit of like 
you know, Danny Glover is this like kind of movie monster. Right. Uh and and I I think they just he just nails it. It just works perfectly. And and what I love like this is the moment too after he's taken Gideon to um walk along the train tracks and, and obviously mm, yeah, know, have yeah. him uh, almost try to induce a stroke, it feels like, in, in Henry's character by having him overexert himself as, as they, you know, walking a little further to do us good, <laughs> whatever the, the, yeah. the quote is. Um, and, and this is like the, the very next moment of, I, I want to say him, like, because uh, Mary Alice's character walks upstairs and he's kind of hidden in the shadows watching her walk upstairs. And I'm wondering yeah. if he's kind of gauging her reaction to see maybe she screams because Gideon's, you know, already dead or maybe he's, he's trying to gauge the status it feels like of what yeah you know what's just happened or, or what's the effect of, of just ha- of what just happened so it's it's really eerie and, and then the way that the shot ends um with, with him just bathed in the red tail light of a car passing by so as he's in the shadows a car passes by and its headlights illuminate him in the shadows and then the tail lights uh bathe him in this red glow that where he really feels yeah. like you know like the devil in this moment as he's walking away from the uh from the staircase so yeah this is another shot that i that i uh like a lot too um i i, I love i sorry yeah, I, I love the the exactly what you're saying with the like the headlight a tail light mm-hmm. aspect of the lighting too mm-hmm. of like it allows the shot to be still yeah and uh dynamic in an interesting oh, way right. yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. where you you have uh the the camera is just like lingering on mm-hmm. this empty frame and then it reveals uh you know this mm-hmm. this Somebody's looming in figure the <laughs> in there yeah and so the the mix of like mm-hmm. stillness and the moving and shadows dynamic. too as yeah. the light kind of illuminates the shadows moving across it's a very totally it it, it, it it keeps you on your toes and keeps yeah. you off kilter that that was the shot i was alluding to earlier when i was saying that when i watched it on my tv mm-hmm. uh properly calibrated and everything right uh, he just kind of appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I watched it on my monitor, that was like a, you know a little bit messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you can see him like walk into the shot in the shadow. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like because the the stairway is just it 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 shows it empty and then mm-hmm. it shows her walk up it. Right. And then while everything's dark, he walks into his spot and right. then the light sweeps over him. Oh, and you're going uh, in, you know, I had my, my brightness a little bit too much, too high on my second monitor and you can actually <laughs> see him walk into the shot. Uh, made me giggle a little bit. That's funny. Uh, my shot is uh, the opening shot of the film. And this is where I just knew that this was going to be a film I loved and, 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 and a Poetry. master. You know what I mean? It just literally, even before we get into the flames, um, it's the wide shot, like I said, the opening of the film, and it's the juxtaposition of Gideon sitting in the chair as, as opposed to the photo um, behind him, and they're in a very a very similar um, shape with the hat, very similar shape with the pose. Uh, that mirroring effect, the oddness of just the table as the only, uh, or well, the table and the chair is the only items in this space with, along with the, it's just, you could tell that this is a dream, se- it is a dream sequence, but you wouldn't know that. What am I trying to say? You you wouldn't necessarily know that in, until you get into the film or you see the crossfade uh, to Gideon actually sitting in his backyard in a very similar pose. But the 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 picture here, or the composition here, is so. Um, it feels like a painting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, very flat. It, the, there's the, there's. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just the the surrealness yes. and the like. It, it it's surreal but deliberate. And it feels so just like stacked with meaning 
that it immediately captures your attention. You yes. know, like you're you're just enraptured with what's going on in this frame. Sean, uh, in a right way, exactly and yeah, right. I, I think. And then when I mean, get, you you, uh, you mentioned. Flames, I, I just I, I yeah, was going to let please. it go after yeah, this, yeah. but you mentioned in the beginning of like. Uh, Burnett's uh, ability as like a poet yeah. of like him like being like yes. a visual poetry and like yeah. poetry and film like I think I think there's so many scenes that he does that in in the dynamics between relationships mm-hmm. but this is one of the moments of visual poetry yes. that's just so striking that no, I was yes. glad you I was really glad you picked this for absolutely so I, I just knew I was in I was I knew I was in good hands as soon as the film opened up I was like okay I'm on board yeah, totally <laughs> yeah. totally let's go uh, yeah, your next shot, John. Uh, my next shot was maybe the loudest laugh I had. <laughs> uh, in, and it it, it 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 represents like, I you know I'll, I'll get into in this next segment where some of the strengths and weaknesses of of the the craft of this movie, in my opinion. But I this this shot. It happens at hour twenty eight minutes twenty two seconds in. Uh, it's the first reveal of Harry's body uh, covered in the blanket uh, in the kitchen doorway, and it, it for me, I I laughed so hard yeah. at the reveal of the blanket draped over his body, but they haven't budged it an inch, and everybody's just like hanging out in the kitchen around the body. It's. It's so funny and so relatable mm-hmm. and so just like morbidly, realistically human. It feels like it's out of a fucking Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's so good. The shoes <laughs> sticking out. Uh, what's her name? What, is, what, what, what did I mention? Mary Alice or um, Ethel? Uh yeah, Ethel Adler. Ethel coming by and being like, no, nobody minds if I look yeah. at him real quick. Uh, I just need to see this motherfucker one last time. Like she's just so indignant about it. Uh, it it's so funny, mm-hmm. and and it really represents like I think the the movie kind of struggles for a minute in mm-hmm. in the middle part of the movie, mm-hmm. and from the moment that Mary Alice uh stands up to him. Mm-hmm. And, and and then the movie gets into that like final half hour. I think is when it's hit its stride and is absolutely flawless. Mm-hmm. And this this shot represents like I think the peak of this movie hitting its stride. Where I really like the release of the tension mm-hmm. of Harry's presence and the family like returning to its natural form right. feels so good. Yeah. Uh, and it really makes this movie work so well that I, I, this was the the point in the movie where I fell in love for sure. Uh, the the touch of this shot that I particularly love is the actual quilted blanket. Now, again, my grandma uh, coming from Houston, we would routinely get sent every few months these blankets, these types of quilted oh, blankets. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So seeing that to me is a particular like. Uh, like chef's kiss love that touch. yeah there's one on my <laughs> oh, mom's couch right now yeah. that same exact fucking blanket yeah, like right. swear to god right yeah so it's like that that old like because i mean our generation isn't quilting blankets like that you know what no. i mean so it's like you had to you had to have a grandma or a mom that you know was doing that so that, i love that touch in that um so my next shot takes place uh 42 minutes and 48 seconds into the film it's the uh wide shot of uh harry at the table with i, I believe his name is uncle marsh 
um, with Gideon's uh, two friends, Okra, and I forget his other friend here that's holding the lampshade. Uh, <laughs> is Okra? Okra is his, uh, Okra is the one that makes the pass to it. Uh, Alice. Uh, I didn't. Alice. I didn't catch that. Oh, one. his <laughs> name. His name. That Such an awesome name. Yeah, too. Okra too being a plant that's coming over from Africa uh, during the uh, transatlantic slave trade that was implanted here. Um, I love that bit of like southern, you know. Uh, I don't know, these other nicknames. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're just so perfect. His character is so perfect, too, when he makes the pass at, at Mary Alice about the Lodge brothers and wanting to take care of the wives. And he brings it, oh over... Oh, my God. I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever had greens? Are you... Do you, do you oh, yeah. So him bringing over the greens in the... Uh, in oh, my the, in God, the, uh, dude. In I the fucking, bat, Like, mm. that was such a... Like, because that... in the salt meat. <laughs> I brought in some salt. Oh. Like, that is such a southern courtesy. Like, we still do that, like, because we have a, a green garden outside, so we pick like we bringing them in with the uh, with the Stater Brother bags and whatnot. Do you know what I mean? So it's still like it's like oh, it's touches like that. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah I love that. That's so. But funny. the reason I picked this shot of the wide of him um, taking a photo is uh, seconds before this, Harry and Marsh here are having a conversation about uh, Harry supposedly killing uh, Marsh's um, uh, cousin Emery, and, or what happened in the South to a couple of these uh, people that uh, died mysteriously. Um, that could have uh, potentially caused a race riot or it was, you know, there, there was some um, question as to how these people pass. And so there's a tension that happens between these two characters before yeah. Okra and his friend walk in the room and take the photo. So what I love about this shot is every character has a different motivation and intention in this moment. Harry sort of distracting Marsh or, or uh, sort of, being more assured in this moment about his status and his place or, or what's going to happen. Marsh obviously kind of boiling over here at the anger that is uh, uh, suffering sort yeah. of the indignation of his, his his cousin having been murdered. Uh, and these two guys just looking to get the shot. <laughs> Trying to compose yeah, and yeah. you know, they're kind of unaware about what's going on here. So it's the, it's the, it. yeah, it's the uh, everyone has a different motivation and, and a different um, uh, thing that they're trying to accomplish in this one shot that I find to be really yeah uh, just that's just great. That's, that's exactly what you you pick this shot for the, that this shot is probably also why I picked that scene yeah for the scene I would show somebody because it really does like the the tension of the surreal evilness mm. of Harry's character right is 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 really present in the scene right. and in the confrontation. Yeah. Uh, with this man here about Absolutely. the the like the mysteriousness of this murder, Absolutely. but then at in literally in the same frame you get the like familial, yes. uh, relatable yes. quality of like trying to get the photo, <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. it, it, it you know like yeah. mashing those things together in the same frame is like such like yeah it's it's this movie in a fucking still image like excellent pick. And we talked earlier about this, but just to bring it up here, the specificity of holding a lamp unshaded lamp to the face of a darker skinned person to kind of have it exposed correctly. Yeah. Um, I love it's just it like so you much. don't get that kind of shot unless you've seen that or lived that. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. like I'm not sure uh um I felt privileged just as like my photography background to like understand what <laughs> was right, going, going on, on there, there where I was like it yeah. felt so just like oh man like that's so fucking cool <laughs> yeah, like right. that's so like I never in a million mm-hmm. that's that's why like you know I'm a fucking white guy that's why right. you don't get a white guy to shoot a movie about right. like a black experience because <laughs> yeah, right, right. never in a million fucking yes. years would I come up with exactly. that exactly like never in a you million would, fucking years would I come up yeah, with that unless- no I could never fucking write that experience it doesn't matter how good of a fucking writer I am I would never 
never fucking write that. And like that's that's why you watch this fucking movie. Yeah, why you absolutely. listen to the artists that you listen to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also to even speak to Charles Burnett's credit within our, uh, you know, in black culture. I, I think even if you were black and you were right in that moment, you, you almost, and that's part of the how he captures, I was talking about, you know, the wabi-sabi and capture environments in such creative and poetic mm-hmm. ways. It's like, you need to have an eye to, you may look at that as, you may not even think to, like, and I'm, I'm thinking other writer or creators, what am I trying to say? You may not even think that moment as significant enough to capture on film. Like it's so mundane. Yeah. Or it's so, you know, just commonplace in your life. It, it, it's picking out these individuals. Like I mean, Spielberg not is great at that. Absolutely. Too. Like, I mean, yes. it, it is like a Spielbergian fucking instinct. That is like, it, it is part of the reason why I was like, I'm so excited to, you know, you were mentioning the killer of sheep. And I'm like, I, I want to fucking watch that movie because watching this movie, you see those instincts and it's like, honestly heartbreaking that like this guy didn't get to make uh, 20 fucking movies like it's absolutely fucking stupid that he didn't get to make 20 fucking movies and we're gonna like, get that as we kind of close here too but it's like this is the kind of crime where you're just like fuck dude you really wish this dude like and it, you don't you don't yeah, need that yeah. much you don't need that much to give this guy a couple million you know what i mean this was a no, 1.4 no. do you know what i mean in 90 you yeah. know what i mean it's like like yeah it's you really wish more artists uh, like this could have got, yeah, got supported like oh you, you see uh what um, oh. what Warner Brothers is doing like writing off the the Wiley e. Coyote movie for whatever X-Men. yeah like, dude, if you did like a fraction of that budget to some other oh. like indie artist like A24 like put him under that umbrella and, and just give him you know a couple million like shit we would get yeah so yeah no 100% whatever dude uh, it love it me I, I mean yeah, I, it, it makes it makes me so fucking mad it yeah. makes me so fucking mad yeah. but I, I I do I mean we're totally on the same page yeah. and, I, and, and I love like you know fucking hell yeah yeah hell yeah uh let me ask you sean what is the best combination of craft in this movie where did the stars align for the department heads what do you feel like i mean uh, the i i think the uh the synthesis the like the peanut butter and jelly uh to my i i think the cinematography and the set decoration Mm -hmm. synthesizing to capture that like middle class home experience nice i like that it's so beautiful. I mean, it, it, it that to me that was like it, to be able to. It, it's it is really not easy. It's not easy to shoot ensemble casts. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to shoot in small spaces. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to shoot dark skin tones. Mm-hmm. Shooting an ensemble cast <laughs> in a small middle class <laughs> home. Mm-hmm. With a casting <laughs> comprised of almost exclusively dark skin tones mm-hmm. on like not dark walls, mm-hmm. it, it, it is just and and for that to never feel weird. And the right. movie never feels cheap. The never the movie never feels poorly made. Mm-hmm. It, it it is that's where I meant, I meant earlier of like it's not like particularly beautiful mm-hmm. in like there are glamorous shots, mm-hmm. but the level of craftsmanship and skill to be able to make this feel so authentically to this neighborhood, to this lived experience, but still capture this number of characters like that just, it doesn't, it's not a thing that happens by accident. That's, that's that's, such a level of skill and craftsmanship that it it is like, you know, if you're doing your job right, nobody notices. Mm -hmm. And like that, that is one of those things of like, fuck this movie's so good right. like so well lit so well right. shot so well decorated mm-hmm. like 
it, it just feels so authentic that you never question it for a moment absolutely. until you think about like, damn, I didn't question that for a moment. Absolutely. Dude, love that. Uh, I'm going to speak to the uh, craft on the script level um, and how that kind of, you know, blends obviously with the cinematography yes. and, the, and the pacing, the editing. It's his, uh, and his slow burn nature and crafting villainy. Uh, again, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to bring up Joker. <laughs> <laughs> the death of the family opening of that comic book. Uh, what, what happens before uh, the prelude to Joker arriving into Gotham are omens and, and three events that happen. Uh, I, I can't remember all of them. First one was a flood that happens in Gotham. The second is an unnatural birth at the zoo. A lion births uh, a lion with two heads. Uh, there's a third event that happens, and then that then these were and that's when Henry Bullock or or. Um, uh, Gordon, they mentioned this. He's like, we should have known he was coming because of these omens or, that, that came to, to Gotham. In uh, the same way he does this in this film with the, um, I've lost my Toby, I can't find it. The, the, mm. the ominous start of of him um, with the uh, with the fire, um, the the uh, the broom hitting the, um, the the marbles of the can of marbles that first gets yeah. on the ground and breaks the glass. Uh, these omens, and he brings have, up his Toby when that happens, like right. he. Like right, like Gideon draws a line. Like, I can't find my Toby before Harry walks up to the stairs. Do you want know I mean? Well, he he mentions the Toby earlier, like when in the bedroom, like I can't find it. Yeah, and then, and then when it when the broom, yeah, he mentions yeah. it again. Of like, yeah. fuck that happened because I couldn't find um, it. Like you know, right. like, it, it is yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting. like these omens that he he places you know before Harry gets there that I really mm. fucking love. That that create like this. Tone. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, didn't pick up on that till my second viewing, yeah, for sure. But the that was definitely something on the second viewing that I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." You know what moment too I like too is when Harry takes the, it's a shot of a close up of the door handle and he takes off his hat, or, yeah, and then, and then he uh, but it's the book, it's a little black book that he pulls open, the and tiny kinda like just, little yeah, book. Oh, and he like I love it. it again, and then takes off his hat and then opens the door, just like I God, love the I physicality love of that, <laughs> right? Yeah. That that's the kind of thing that I love in like fantasy yeah. specifically, okay. where like you know, like it's like characters that are traveling on the road, so they're carrying their whole lives on them, and you right. have all those like little bits of functionality. Oh, I like that. I've never thought of it. Okay, nice. You know, because it, it's not somebody that has a com- a computer or a storage space or yeah. anything like that. Like they have to carry their whole lives on them right. as they travel around, right. and so. You know, a tiny book full stacked to as much as possible with all your contact information. Is oh, I like that. You don't want to die of cold, toll free. Studio notes. Yep, yep. How would you fix the flaws? What else wasn't working for you? What you got? Uh, yeah. So, like I mentioned, I, I really wish there was. I, I guess it's just approach to dialogue. Um, I really wish again the bay brother thing was handled a little bit more naturalistically and either shortening that or having his wife respond yeah. to him in a different way i'm not sure she would call him bay brother is is his spouse or is his partner yeah. you know, just, just odd, bits that are odd to me uh, you mentioned before too the odd fluctuations of 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 uh behavior or or some of the uh more you know excitable moments that kind of come out of nowhere i wish there were there was more of a naturalistic build to some of these outbursts uh the, i will bring up that uh, moment of him in the kitchen giving his son the coffee uh and cheryl lee ralph um uh you know saying hey you know if you spoil him don't, don't spoil him like you were spoiled and his reaction to that and and you know uh, um 
he says some pretty unnatural things in that moment or like the way he yeah kind of, he, he kind of starts explaining a backstory that i think them as partners would have already kind of known or he would have maybe said that in a more natural way it, it's kind of like giving yeah. Yeah, a little bit of exposition to the audience and and how he his inner psyche so uh i, I do kind of wish some of those scenes were rewritten to feel more naturalistic uh as a as a um as the opposite is the um sort of play off some of the more ma- magical realistic aspects of the script so that that would be my studio note is is let, let's kind of make some of these conversations feel a little bit more natural <laughs> uh, yeah. how about you Mickey? what wasn't uh what would you fix uh what wasn't working for you so there was there's a, a pacing issue for me in this movie mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, it's whatever i'm just gonna get into it i i think especially in my first watch i felt like it felt rushed, and then slow, and then landed in something that I liked. Mm. Uh, it felt like I was going through a bit of a like, uh, um, oh shit, what's the what's the three bears? Oh, uh, burnt number. I was gonna say burns and Goldilocks. Yeah, there we go. It, it felt like a little bit of a Goldilocks situation as the movie like kind of found its footing mm-hmm. in the pacing. Um, especially in the first 40 minutes especially uh when harry's first introduced there's back to back to back to back scenes that he's just in every scene mm-hmm. and it, it's we're cutting from harry's face to harry's face mm-hmm. we go him playing cards with babe brother mm-hmm. and his wife and it cuts directly into him talking about charity mm-hmm. with junior's wife mm-hmm. Then it cuts directly into him helping Junior and talking about the pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it smashes directly into uh, Susie knocking on his door and getting him to come talk to uh, you know, his old flame Hattie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it feels like he needs to be in every scene for the first hour plus of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it like makes its point a little bit too early. The scenes don't have time to breathe. Mm-hmm. The, sometimes it seems like there's a line and then the scene ends and then we're immediately jumping into the next scene. And I'm still thinking about the line that we ended on. Like when, when he's talking to That's junior, really he says the point, like, dude. Wow. he says the like, but you never can tell what's in the heart. And then it just like smash cuts into the next scene. And I'm like, no, let me, let me think about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, Give me a scene where two other characters are involved before I go back and visit Harry again, so that I can I can feel like the buildup of the poison of his influence on the relationship. But it 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 feels like it goes moves so fast in the first forty minutes, Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't have a lot lot to go. Where you know Gideon has the stroke and it has to slow down quite a bit. To to make a lot of those things, and, and there are in, in like like Shirley Ralph with the uh, with her getting hit and then having to serve you know Gideon or Gideon uh, Harry and his friends and, and Bay Brother yeah. at the table is it, supposed to be another you know like to kind of anchor that thing. But I, I don't think you're I don't hate that at all. And I think that I think we're I I almost hundred percent agree with what I think hundred percent agree with what you're saying. <laughs> like because yeah. there are there are moments like when you're saying those lines are smashed up against each other and then the I I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at yeah. all. And, and I, I wish there was even something a little bit more. I wish there were some extra beats of Harry 
and Bay Brothers like influence and and him getting him to do things like they they kind of walk out to the uh to that um pond or that river and then he hears mm-hmm. this but but that's really the only other I mean, the other moment of him like can you clean out the tub or whatever it is yeah. another moment of his but you don't necessarily get a lot of of his um dissension or or Harry's influence yeah. over him in that way that that I think I would have wanted maybe in, in if I were to uh, to give some studio notes. So, dude, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an excellent point. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, d- well, I mean, as we are getting to the to that ending, and, and you've you've mentioned it several times. So, let me just give you some other space here to uh, talk about. You know, does it stick the landing? What was your? Uh, it seemed like it, it took a bit of an upturn for you in that last. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that when the relief that the movie feels when Harry finally kicks the bucket, even, even before that, when Susie finally stands up to Harry, mm-hmm. the movie feels like it has so much more life mm-hmm. uh, and feeling in it again, that it, it really, it, where it, it started to falter for me in the middle, it really does stick the landing, which is like a, a somewhat of a rarity. I think like, yeah, absolutely. you know, it, it, it is, tough to to kind of i mean it, it comes with the the territory of like really knowing what you're trying to say and mm-hmm. the and the, the core of the conflict that he's trying to depict here uh that i think that he he wraps things up in a really interesting way mm-hmm. can i just say too that shot of them as he's as she mary alice is confronting danny glover's character at the sink with how he's reverse key lit with the light coming out of the window um, and then he makes the you know the uh, analogy about the um, trumpet player. I just mm. I, I think that's that that those two reverse uh, shot that that uh, shot reverse shot are, are two of the more beautiful shots in the film. I didn't pick them for my shot for yeah. shot, but how he's lit in that scene and, and him turning to look it out of the window to to comment on the um, I I, lo- I absolutely love that still of, of Danny Glover in that moment. I I, I love how that that shot that you, you know and him looking out the window and that mm. line about the trumpet player that you mm. you referenced before. Mm. It's so good. It's so well written. Mm-hmm. And then the talking about sticking the landing, mm-hmm. the the final mm-hmm. punch of mm-hmm. the trumpet getting slowly better yeah. as the body gets farther away <laughs> is yeah. so fucking funny. Yeah. It's <laughs> it, it worked so good. I like that. <laughs> like that is sending your audience out on a high note. Like that is mm-hmm. like. It, like slowly removing the the sinking awful dread feeling right. of this horrible influence in your life right. and and getting a like audio version of the relief that you feel when you cut out that toxic presence mm-hmm. uh was just it was like legitimately I don't think I've ever heard a trumpet used as a joke and it was just so fucking funny like it was just so good <laughs> it's pretty good uh, what what about I I, I want to or uh, yeah did did you have anything about the landing you want to talk no I just absolutely agree um yes yeah, so as far as the landing is concerned in my opinion just it's one of my favorite endings but but I think it, it, it's the con the uh, the um conceit of having him in the living room or in the kitchen kitchen dining room half his body in the kitchen half his the, body in the, the like the family <laughs> like, dynamic like reigniting over yeah. this body in the kitchen is so funny you know, you know what i mean so, like yeah, it, it, so it, it so really well. feels like the family like comes back to life like 
they're joking with each other. They're sp- they're sharing food. They're coming together. They're pro- mm-hmm. the Their community, community is co- yeah is coming together. Yeah, yeah. then the neighbors are providing for right, them. Right. Like it, it, it really feels like everything comes back together in a way right. where you feel like these people are gonna be okay right. when the credits roll, which is like the most fun feeling you get when you walk out of a movie like yeah, this yeah. of like these people that I like are going to do good after this. Like, you know, you know like what other moment I, lo- I love a vibe. this dude? Like the, uh, the beat is uh, Uncle Marsh, the one that he has the conversation with at the table about, you know, did you kill my cousin Emery, uh, essentially? Yeah. Is when he, when the little boy's getting chastised. Uh, Sonny, who's actually um, uh, Devon Nixon. Yeah. And did From you see winning that? Did time. You, yeah, did you see From that? From winning yeah, time. Yeah, I saw crazy. that too. That I was, was like, crazy. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. But, That's um, so crazy. When, when he starts peeling off the money to him, he's like, now you go to the store and you get whatever you want and if that's not enough money yeah. you come he's like hell yeah Uncle you Mar- fucking nailed it my dude <laughs> that was so funny i like <laughs> i like that a lot that, yeah i like that um, yeah great moment uh i also wanted to mention because i asked you last week right i teased in the episode last week a matrix connection to this film each as you cut Mary Alice is, is the or no Mary Alice. She's she becomes oh. remember when when uh when the Oracle dies and, and or the um Oh, that's why I recognize yeah. her. Okay. Yeah. She's the Oracle in Matrix Revolutions and um and reloaded. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why I knew the the Ethel uh the, the, the oh she's been in a the lot of lady like, plays Hattie. She seems so familiar, but I couldn't place what I knew her from. Like Cosby. I, 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 uh she she's been in a lot of films. I didn't and watch and, a lot of a, Cosby. Oh, really? Um I had Naked Night, so <laughs> they'd hate it when it came on. Um but she she was, you know, a long time uh uh character actress. Uh and and, and Yeah, she just seems so familiar. I was I you know, when I saw her on screen, it was it was uh, you know, she's she's been in, in, yeah, probably a thousand things that you've seen just in like the background, like one of those faces. You're like, oh yeah, I've, I've seen you before. She was in Sister. Yeah. He was like in Sister Sister as their oh my uh, god grandma or something like that, or like their... that's probably what it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's, so she's, well, I was Sister Sister. I apparently watched more Sister Sister than I was aware of, but <laughs> that's come up a couple times now. I think that's funny. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we're we're in agreement. Sticks to landing. Love those moments. Yeah. Uh, who has this Blu-ray on the shelf? Easily. Uh, oh, you know what? So actually, I want to say this. In 2017, um, uh, uh, Charles Burnett was awarded an honorary uh, Academy Award, and the people that showed up to this event and and who he had inspired. Uh, there's a segment on it in this uh, special features of the Criterion DVD. So Steven Spielberg was there to give a speech about Charles Burnett's work and its influence on him, which is, you know, really great. Uh, Barry Jenkins, obviously Chadwick Boseman before he passed um, uh, was there as well to, to get, you know, talk about his art. Um, but, uh, and, and Ava DuVernay w- w- was there as well. And, and um, Charles Burnett was actually her mentor or they had some type of mentor mentee relationship. I'm not that that that's about the extent of it that I know. But apparently he was a large influence in, in Ava's career and, um, uh, you know, her, her artistic um, uh, upbringing. So uh, she has a quote that I'm going to mention in our next section here. But, yeah, those are definitely people who have it on her shelves. I mean, Coogler, you can definitely see some of the work in, in Ryan Coogler's work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think some of our uh, it, it, it'd be hard, you know, we, we anyway. Yeah. So those are the people I, <laughs> I wrote down. How about you? Who do you got for who has this on their uh, who has this Blu-ray on their shelves? 
Um, I mean, I I was trying to think outside of the like obviously that this is a a massively influential black filmmaker. So like yeah. any black filmmaker with their soul is gonna have this fucking DVD right. on their shelf. Yeah. Uh, but I I so I was trying to go outside of that. Oh nice, and, nice. What'd you get? Uh, I was thinking like maybe Ari Aster. As Interesting. A, he's kind of got the the As, horror. I was gonna say what, what pacing. What's the, um, what's the one with uh? I haven't watched it. Hereditary. You seen Hereditary? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was <laughs> right, thinking right. of. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's the 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 ominous mm. implications of such a good pool, uh, dude. You know, awesome yeah, pool. So that, that that was that was <laughs> nice. me. I, I was reaching. I was trying. I really had to dig <laughs> deep in my bag for that one. But I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad that you see the yeah, connection yeah. there. I, I like that a lot. That's really good. All right, McGee, uh, let's wrap this up here. Has this movie earned its place in film history or has it been justifiably overlooked? What do you think? I I'm, I mean, I'm much more excited to hear your take on this, but I, I think that film is rife with stories about intergenerational conflicts and the times they don't stop a changing. Yeah. Uh, so as long as film exists that we will be telling versions of this story yeah. so this is an excellent time capsule of this particular iteration you know it, it is this moment in history between you know this transition between these two generations mm-hmm. and, and the way that an artist in his prime especially somebody who's had decades of experience behind him mm-hmm. uh, capturing this moment in history mm-hmm. I think that this will will always have its place. And I think that there's always going to be people making an updated version of this movie for uh, their generation that they're in. And and I love that you, you, cause when we brought up the time capsule or time machine question, I, I was kind of, you know, this is of its time and of its place, but I love that you opened my mind to, Oh yeah, dude, we have done this story in like Moonlighter. We have done this story in, in uh, hereditary. Do you know what I mean? Of generational divides or, you know, not, not necessarily. I didn't know that there were stories of generational divides, but, but seeing how this film connected to that lineage was really mm. inspiring. Cause I, I hadn't thought about it like that. So uh, yeah, we were right on the same page. I, I feel like obviously this is a, um, an overlooked gym. It didn't really get the distribution that it should have. Um, it, it was for real. Yeah, it, it was, it's really kind of been buried until recently uh, w- within the last like 15 years of, of people kind of rediscovering his work and what, uh, as this new crop of black filmmakers um, and Ava, du- Ava DuVernay are like championing, Charles Burnett's work and 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 uh, Spielberg coming to the hill again, you know, champion this guy's work, it uh, and other obvious you know filmmakers uh, to kind of discover these gems that didn't necessarily get the shine that they should has it, it, been really valuable. So, no, it wasn't justifiably overlooked, um, but I, but I like to see that it's earning its place in film history as like one of those silent masterpieces of the nineties. Yeah. Uh, Avery Duvernay had this to say at his. Um, at the uh, honorary Oscar award. I just want to quote her here because I I feel much the same. Um, She says, uh, quote, you're one of the most significant American directors in history in any color. Uh, Your masterful attention to style, your use of folkloric traditions, and your engagement with the social and political world around us has centered blackness and rendered us visible and valuable and victorious. And for that, I thank you. So... I think. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's that's so cool. 
Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much, McGee, for spending the time with this film because I know it's a slow burn. <laughs> it's, but it's thank it's, you for yeah, sharing it with yeah, me. It's, yeah, it's, it's no, a really I, valuable I, film. I, you know, to, I really appreciate you know, it. Hell yeah. Uh, so that was our uh, breakdown of To Sleep With Anger, 1990s To Sleep With Anger, uh, directed, written and directed by Charles Burnett. So if you're uh, stuck with us up to this point, thank you so much. And, and if you haven't yet seen it, hopefully we've said something in here that will convince you to, have, oh, yeah. <laughs> to go seek it please, out. Please, please, yeah. please seek it out because it's, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Coming this March to video stores everywhere. All right, Eric, we're... Before I, I tell you what we're watching next week, let's let, let the audience in. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start a, a a new little segment here at the end. <laughs> yep. Uh. So. I, oh, how do we? How do we? This that's a terrible. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get a good. How about how about this? Like before you before I tell you what it's about, what do you think it's about? <laughs> that that kind of thing. We even had back in the day when we were first developing, we had a question like, um, what was it? Like, why do you think I made you watch this or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> why? yeah. There, there, there is something in that ballpark. I don't know if there's something we could play with. With what do you think it's about, and why do you think I'm making you watch it? <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Like, and you could tell them what it's about, and I'll tell you why I'm making yeah, you watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to think of how how do we even come into this and, and explain it, and then do it. Like, oh, oh um, so new bit alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're trying out a new bit. I like the new bit alert. All right, uh, new bit alert. We're trying out a new bit here. Uh, I am going to tell uh, Eric what I'm making him next watch next week, but mm-hmm. I am curious to see what he thinks this movie is about on just a cold reading. So here we mm-hmm. go. Eric, are you, you ready to hear what we're doing next week? Hell yeah. Okay, so next week we are going back uh, to 1985's Fletch, mm. the Chevy Chase picture uh, directed by Michael Ritchie. Uh, I, I I know you haven't seen this one already. No, so. not yet. Uh, what, off the dome, what do you think this movie is about? <laughs> so I'm gonna go. Uh, I think this movie is about. I know I, I saw the newspaper man. So I'm gonna say it's a newspaper man who's low on the totem pole, wants to rise the ranks, wants to get a big scoop. Mm-hmm. finds a story and instead of like reporting it to his superiors or, or or the authorities tries to do like one of those newspaper guy things or you like like try to follow the story and then it gets mm. out of hand and it gets wildly out of hand mm. and then right. it's it, it, a little right. untenable all right let's see how close you got here with the log line i'm not going <laughs> to spoil any of the details uh, right. we'll have to save that for next week but uh, we got Fletch. Erwin M. Fletcher is a newspaper reporter being offered a large sum to off a cancerous millionaire, but is mm. on the run, risking his job and finding clues when it's clear that the man is healthy. Uh, I was kind of in the ball a little yeah, bit. Like, I didn't, like, not definitely not, didn't see, like, I, I liked your, yeah. yeah, the the twist, like, oh, yeah, he, he, he goes off on his own and then gets in over his head. I'm like, right. okay, I could, I could okay. actually, I could see that, uh, that <laughs> applying. So we'll see. We'll see next week. I love this. I love this new bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's here to stay. You heard it here. <laughs> All right, brother. Next week. Next week.
Hey, if you made it to the end of our show, you're the real MVP, and we want to thank you. If you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks. Bye.